0: achieving five A-star to C grades in their GCSEs last year. Jackie Burnett argues if parents took more of an interest in their children's education, this could change and is encouraging them to do so.
1: Get involved in schools like becoming parent governors or set up a PTA. Teaching
0: union rep Timothy Ramsden says while parents should be involved, teachers should also be trusted to do their job
2: properly.
3: The European Union's call for a meeting to discuss the discovery of horse meat in food products labelled as beef. In the UK, horse meat's been found so far in burgers and ready meals, including lasagna and spaghetti bolognese. The decision by the Pope to stand down is provoking intense speculation about who might be chosen to succeed him as leader of the world's Catholics. Pope Benedict surprised even his own advisers when he announced yesterday that at the age of 85 he would resign because he was too infirm to continue his ministry. What's thought to be the world's oldest pancake race will be held in Harkinghamshire later today. It's thought the tradition began in 1445 when a woman who was late for church ran out of her house frying pan in hand. And a dog grooming shop in Hertfordshire is the first in the country, it claims, to offer pooch tattoos. The owners of Groomers on the Green in Brookmans Park came up with the idea when they were bored one day. Amanda Marshall explains what type of dog she shaved and the type of patterns they've had.
2: It's mainly done on short hair breeds, otherwise it, w- it won't be seen. Some people want something a bit different, a snazzy, then it's for them. If it's not, then that's completely fine. Some people want things that we haven't done before, like One Direction, sort of logo.
3: In sport, MK Dons away to Doncaster tonight in League One. Luke Chadwick will start, having come on as a sub in the defeat at Oldham on sun- Saturday. As for the weather, cloudy and cold, but staying dry with a top temperature of 4 degrees Celsius, that's 39 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash counties BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news.
4: This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past six. It's Tuesday, the 12th of February. Man, it's cold, isn't it? It was very... The heating is still broken in my car and has been broken for... Mm, two months. I took it in to get it fixed. They said, oh, we, we'll get the part, come back tomorrow. And I... You know what it's like. You, the, the hassle of going back. So I just wear lots of jumpers and coats in the car. Never mind. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... Police are to get tougher powers to tackle drivers they believe are unfit to drive. It's all down to a St Auburn man's campaign. We'll hear from a Bedford optometrist next about how good your eyesight needs to be to get on the road. Parents, you have to do more to help your children in school. It'll help boost GCSE results. Well, so says a Luton counsellor she'll be in the studio before half past six to explain why but how much do you think mums and dads should do or is it down to the schools and a dog grooming shop in Hertfordshire is shaving patterns into pooches is it ever acceptable to accessorize your pet lots of ways to get in touch Wow, Facebook was burning yesterday. 106 comments. Eh, most of them attacking me, but it doesn't matter. Play nice. Some of you didn't play nice. Play nice, and it's all good fun there. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can text, put your name on the text, 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or, and look, we have a, a completely empty switchboard, 08459 455 555. BBC
5: Three Counties Radio.
4: New powers have been given to police to get drivers with bad eyesight off the road following a campaign by a man from St Albans. Sixteen-year-old Cassie McCord was killed when a car mounted the pavement. The driver had already failed a roadside eye test after an earlier crash. Her brother, Sam McCord, campaigned for police to have more powers to suspend driving licences and now it can be done in a matter of hours. So, how many of us don't realise we shouldn't be driving because of failing eyesight? Simon Browning is an optometrist from Bedford. Morning, Simon. Morning. Uh, Do people come and see you and have no idea
6: how bad their eyesight really is? uh yeah i mean a lot of people have no idea uh just how bad it is and, and often we've seen people whose vision is pretty much on the legal standard for driving uh the problem is you, you immediately get the response so many times of oh i only just drive around the corner or, oh that's okay then uh, yes. yeah yeah. Oh, i i only go to the shops to drive or i need my car to drive yep. uh, it it is a problem uh the, the biggest problem i think is that people just do not understand what the requirements are nowadays and well, what What are the
4: requirements? What's the limit? I'm assuming with your eye charts, if they go, they can't read beyond a certain line they shouldn't be driving is that how it works
6: Uh, well the the official limit was just literally the number plate test we're one of the few countries in Europe who's still very lax on all this sort of thing and it's it's the ability to read a number plate test at a certain distance Mm. and therein lies the problem if you ask most people what that distance is most people don't know what the distance is and in actual fact quite often underestimate that distance and therefore have a a sort of false sense of confidence Um, most people listening now if they if I said to them just quickly what is that distance they probably wouldn't know i'm gonna say 50 meters that's a complete guess no it's actually less than that right okay uh with with the modern style number plates yeah. the sort of post 2001 it's actually uh 20 meters oh okay okay and with the old style number plates it's 20 and a half meters oh. And that's in good daylight with a clean number plate and and all these other factors. But you see, that's incredibly variable. And what the DVLA actually did last year was they, for the first time ever, equated it to a line on the letter chart. Right. Uh, And that's what we call the 612 line, Mm. which, I mean, if anybody knows the letter chart, you've got the big letter at the top, and then they get gradually smaller as they go down. It's the fourth line down on a chart. Okay. Uh, And when you say to most people it's that line, they say, Mm. wow, that's, you know... That's easy to do, uh, which is quite reassuring. Mm. But obviously, uh, it just goes to show that the vision can be quite bad and still have people driving. Now, obviously, you can't take away people's driving licenses. But if you have someone who you know has driven
4: in, do you say to them, I'm not sure you should be driving,
6: mate? Absolutely. Uh, if we have somebody who is below the legal standard for driving or is right on that borderline, then we have to advise them of that. We cannot uh, sort of phone up the DVLA and say this person shouldn't be driving or anything like that because of obviously patient confidentiality. Right, okay. But all we can do is advise the patient. In extreme circumstances, uh, we can inform the GP, and again, the GP's is in the same position as we are, um, that they cannot breach patient confidentiality unless in extreme cases it's. It is effectively in the public interest mm. and in the interest of that patient who who is basically unsafe. How do they react when you say, um, "Listen, I don't really don't think you should be driving, sir"? Uh, invariably, uh, not happy. Right. Uh, over the years, they've become reliant on their cars and especially in sort of areas like we live in here where there's a lot of rural uh, villages and things people especially elderly people live in these villages and mm. they do need some form of transport to get around and they're very reliant on their cars but uh, again it's it's this denial that we all have um uh, in terms of vision that uh, As I say, I only only use it on Wednesdays at 3 o'clock or something like that, as if the rest of the world knows that they should get out of the way.
4: I suppose people as well, I know my mum, when my mum's eyesight was going, she kind of, she was like Donald Pleasance in The Great Escape, where she kind of built up a defence mechanism and sort of little cheats where she would know exactly where the remote control, you know, she would know where things were
6: and little things that she would do so it would look like or it would appear that her eyesight was fine. Yeah, I I think one of the problems with a lot of people is that eyesight goes slowly over the years. Mm. And, I mean, one of the things that our profession has campaigned for for a long while now with the Department for Transport is compulsory vision checks. Again, we're one of the few countries in Europe that doesn't have compulsory checks. If you think about it, you you have to prove you can read a number plate at 17 years old. Mm. And you don't have to do anything at all after that until the age of 70. Mm. Uh, There's no requirement there. It is all self-certification. I mean, how many people out there have actually bothered to inform the DVLA uh, when they know they've got a vision problem, maybe they lose an eye in an accident or something like that, do they inform the DVLA it's it's not that common at all Do you welcome this this change to the law giving the police these powers? Absolutely, uh, I mean obviously in the, in the uh, Cassie case it was a tragic accident and the police had actually told this person not to drive, but they could not take him off the road instantly but Again, it's, it's a start, it's a move in the right direction. The problem is that, actually, how often do people check some, a driver's vision at the scene of an accident? Mm. If, if you've ever attended the scene of an accident, it's a, it's a very traumatic situation. And um, The last thing that people often do is pull somebody out of the car and say, oh, and just read the number plate over there. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have evidence within our profession of, um, a, again, we have another one of an elderly person who actually had macular degeneration and killed somebody whilst driving. It wasn't until later, quite a lot later, that he informed a probation officer that he basically had very poor vision but until that point nobody had ever asked him a question about his eyesight exactly. so being you know, a vision testing does take place but it, it's a very random thing and really we, we need to have compulsory testing simon listen i appreciate you coming in at this ridiculous time of the morning no uh, how's
4: problem. business going it, you got a busy day ahead of you i have a full day ahead of me Yes, excellent stuff simon browning thank you so much for coming in 08459 555 is the phone number song this, isn't it? I don't, I don't quite understand the premise behind it. Let's not delve too deeply into the lyrics of Laura Branigan, but Where on earth is Laura Branigan now? That's the question on everyone's lips, I think. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, we have a challenge for our reporter, Sophie Sileria. She literally has no idea what's going on. I know that's generally her kind of usual state of mind, but she has even less idea what's going on this morning. We'll find out more in a bit. But before that, 6.15 is the travel news with Sophie Tyler.
7: Beds, hearts and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Good morning. We're not looking too bad out there at the moment. No major problems. Top you with All Moving fairly nicely out there on the uh, sensors at the moment actually motorways in particular are looking good and the m25 uh, down the western stretch not looking too bad at all actually does seem to be coping fairly well usual morning delays also not yet beginning to creep in moving nicely around the a405 at the north orbital road and the a41 also moving nicely through buckingham at the moment trains are also looking good on the departure boards there's more in 15 minutes
4: thank you sophie Nearly 6.16. It's Tuesday the 12th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A St Albans man has been successful in his bid to help police get more drivers with poor eyesight off the road. Parents in Luton need to take more of an interest in their children's education to boost GCSE results, according to one local councillor. In sport, Wickham Wanderers will have a pitch inspection at 9:30 this morning to determine whether tonight's match against Bradford City will go ahead. The weather today for Beds Hearts and Bucks cloudy and cold but staying dry with a top temperature of 4 degrees. Coming up, you parents do more To help your kids in school, it'll help boost GCSE results. Well, so says a Luton counsellor. She'll be in the studio before 6.30 to explain why. What do you think? Should parents do more to help their kids study, or is it down to the schools? 08459 455555.
5: BBC Three Counties Radio your consumer problems on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry about that loan now. The whole amount has
9: just been taken off. You don't owe a penny.
5: Gosh, I can't believe this. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This has been six years of hell. Fighting for your rights. You've done more in two weeks than I've done in six years. I can't thank you enough.
9: you fought it and you've won it. Well,
10: you won it for me. Thank you
5: so much, Jonathan. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Call the team now. 08459... 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Our reporter this week, our roving reporter uh, this week, is the excellent Sophie Solaria, who's done some cracking jobs, including asking the question, Why is Kung Fu Panda setting China? Well, we thought we'd utilise Sophie on a secret mission this morning. Sophie, are you there? I am. How are you?
11: I've roved into the car park.
4: Ooh, well done you. <laughs> yeah. Now, this morning we have a little sneaky challenge for you. You have, indeed. Can you describe what you're holding, please?
11: I'm holding a silver top hat, very sparkly, very pretty, with many, many pieces of folded up paper in, which have been very,
4: very good and not looked at. Okay, there are 15 pieces of paper in there, Sophie. What I would like you to do is I want you to put your hands in, have a little zhush around, and yeah. then pull one out at random, please, and read it to me.
11: OK. Right. Right. <laughs> this is so bizarre. I know. Kempston.
4: Kempston. Okay, do you know how to get to Kempston? No. Oh.
11: Yes, I have a sat-nav. Oh, I have right. a sat-nav.
4: Oh, goodness, right, so wait, I want you to go into your car. I want you to programme Kempston into your sat-nav. Yeah. You have until nine o'clock this morning to find a story worthy of the Ian Lee show in Kempston. Can no, you do it? Oh,
11: my goodness. Um, yeah. Does it, have to be, does it have to be a story that's ready for your show today?
4: No, you have to go and find it. That's all, that's all there is. You've got Kempston, you've got a microphone, you've got a car. Get me a story, Solaria. OK. And we'll check in with you a bit later on. Bye. Bye-bye. There we go. Fantastic. We should be following her throughout the morning to find out how she's going. There's nothing set in Kempston at all. She has to go and use her reporter skills. Oh, nuts, we forgot to give her reporter skills. Never mind. She has to go and use her mouse to try and find a story in Kempston before nine o'clock. Excellent. We'll be following her throughout the morning. Lots of luck, Sophie. I think she might need it.
12: Haven't seen you since high school. Good to see you're still beautiful. Gravity has started to pull. Quite yet, I bet you're rich as hell. One that's
13: better. Two years since he left me Couldn't know that
4: That Train and Ashley Munro. It's a little, little bit of light country. Nothing wrong with a bit of light country. Every now and then... Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 22 minutes past six. Who'd have thunk that time could even exist, but it does. Now, you should take more of an active interest in your children's education to improve GCSE results. That's according to the Labour councillor for Limbury in Luton. Oh, that's a fun sentence to say. Jackie Burnett, who is also a governor at two Luton primary schools, argues that teachers can only do so much. She says if parents were more engaged with their children's schooling by doing things like attending parents evenings and making sure their children's homework is done on time then these results would dramatically improve jackie joins me live in the studio so jackie Morning. just what, what do you think parents should be doing more of them what, what, what are they lacking at the moment i
14: think some parents are really doing a good job i yep. think it's more parents need to be engaged and the education system in this country is constantly changing mm. so parents need to understand the changes that are taking a a foot or has happened specifically like for you talking about high school yeah yeah Parents need to be aware of the choices that their children are making, the type of choices and subjects that keep their option open when they finish high school to go on to university, the type of courses that the university are looking at. Yeah. yeah? And if they have that information early enough, they can sit down with their children when they're going through option evenings and have a discussion. But they need that information and they need to <laughs> so work help, with them.
4: Helping the, helping the kids kind of make the kids listen to me. I'm young such an old people. man. Helping the young people, thank you. D- d- work through what their options are, of course yeah. makes sense. But are you saying that they should be, I don't know, helping them with their homework and, and, and well, things making, like that?
14: making sure that they do their homework. Right. You know, as a school governor, yeah. I've heard, um, and I've been a big school governor I think over 12 years now, I hear reports of, we're running homework clubs mm. and parents don't make sure that the children attend, mm. or homework is not completed. Now, if the teachers are set in homework, it's really important for the parents to make sure that the child does the homework Mm. if they're struggling raise it with the teachers and say oh my son or my daughter is struggling with this Mm. but to me you know the parent needs to have know what is going on you know attend parents evening ask questions parents are busy so if they can't attend parents evening because they're doing a shift work job try and go afterwards because things are going on during the, the school year and finding that there's a problem, your child ain't on target when the academic year's about to finish or they're about to take exams, yes. it's a bit late. But but
4: there are some. There are single parents, there are parents that are working two, three jobs, there are parents that haven't got the time to do this thing, to check on the, the, their children's homework or to go to parents' evening or to make them a packed lunch or do these things.
14: Um, I'm talking from a... I'm, I'm a person who has been a single parent. Yeah. I've, I've done it for nearly 10 years yeah so and I've taken the, I've taken the time and I've, I've done two jobs as well mm. yeah it's just about planning what I used to do because parents evening used to be suddenly upon me a week before I would phone up the school six weeks before and find out have you set the date for parents evening yeah you know, because I know sometimes things just happen and as a parent when you're single or two jobs you can't just suddenly change things if I couldn't make the, a meeting I would phone the school and say can I arrange a meeting with you at a more convenient time and I would suggest the times so that mm. I, I can make it there are people listening
4: who will say well hang on a second this is taking the responsibility away from the teachers and the schools and putting it on the parents it should be the schools that are, that are pushing the children's education
14: But the children are ours. They're entrusted to us, first of all. It wasn't the school that gave birth to them, it was us. If they succeed or fail in life, the parent walks with them. All the way, and therefore, it's important for the parent to take that. I'm not saying they have to do massive change, but there's step change as they progress and get older, it will change, and also setting appropriate boundaries with this technology age as parents, the children are totally immersed in technology, mm. yeah? They're on their iPads, they're on computer games. That means they get addictive. And I've seen it for myself with my young children, yeah. with my, my children. They, you need to set some time for them to do the games and yep. have fun but need to make sure the work get done mm. yeah because the skills that they have and the qualifications they have it will walk with them for the rest of their life and that's what i'm saying to do to be involved to take interest because research showed the different parents interest mate and how your child feels that you're mm. taking the interest in them their face lights up when the, you're asking them about their day or they know that they can come to you with a problem and you, and, and talk have you it spoken about to
4: parents about this? Have you had uh, any reaction from parents about this yet?
14: Um, I've, I've talked to parents over the years, and I've got friends who are parents. Yeah. And we've all had challenges. We've, yeah. You know, we've all had to adjust things over the years. And I know that we are, we are busy, but I've also seen parents that are proactively involved, and the research has shown it makes a significant amount of difference. Do schools have their role? Mm. The children have their role but the parent and we all need to be working working together mm. and that makes a massive difference to the child yeah to know that they're supported at home and at school there is that thing
4: isn't there the way, where um, parents kind of think well, I've done my bit we we've had, we've got the kid, we feed it that's enough <laughs> going off off your own. and I do kind of I do think, my boys always say my boys are 3 and 1 so they're a little bit young for this but that if you uh, if you have a child It it carries on. There's more work you have to do, and you have to try and make you know make sure that that you're helpful and you're there for them and helping them with their their schoolwork and things. The
14: the challenges never. The challenges changes Mm. from my experience when they're small to when they're pre-teens and when they're going through teens, and there's different challenges. But we have a sub. You know, you talk to the schools talk to friends because usually we've got friends of networks who yeah. have gone through things but it's really important and I just want the gap in Luton because we keep moving it's not that Luton's not moving forward yeah. but the national average keeps moving forward and I want us to pass the national average and more children have chances that can last the whole of their life the good qualifications Jackie Burnett thank you so much for coming in at this ridiculous time of the morning I know, <laughs> I know it's a
4: slog for all of us but we've got to do it thank you very much Oh eight four five nine four double five. Five, double five. You heard Jackie there. What do you think? Do you think, yes, of course, of course parents should be doing more at home and helping out to improve their children's education? Or do you think, hang on a second, this is all down to the schools. Why should I be getting involved? Oh, 08459 455555. Five, double five. Here's the travel news now. Sophie Tyler.
7: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Starting to look heavy on the A405 North Orbital Road, particularly approaching the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else is still really not looking too bad at all, actually moving nicely on the motorways this morning. No problems on the M1 or the M25 and uh, also moving nicely as well uh, down the usual travel areas, particularly at the A41, not looking too bad at all at the moment. Uh, Moving nicely elsewhere on the trains as well, all looking good on the departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you very much, Sophie. It's 6.30 exactly. Here's the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
5: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Good morning, the headlines. A St Albans man's been successful in his bid to help police get more drivers with poor eyesight off the road. Parents in Luton need to take more of an interest in their children's education to boost GCSE results, according to one local counsellor. And a grooming parlour in Brookmans Park is claiming to have launched the UK's first needleless dog tattoos. Ed's hearts and Bucks Sports,
7: BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Let's start with cricket. England have won the toss and elected to field against New Zealand in the second 2020 international taking place in Hamilton this morning. A short time ago, New Zealand were 54 without loss. Meanwhile, in football, Milton Keynes Dons are away to Doncaster tonight in League One. Luke Chadwick will start, having come on as a sub in the defeat at Oldham on Saturday. By the manager's own admission, the Dons were poor at the weekend. But Carl Robinson says his players know what's expected of them.
15: And the players sometimes. Have, have got to stand up and be counted as well as the staff has but I think you know I always have been quite honest and open with you we've been very honest this morning and had frank discussions and some of them I spoke to yesterday as well and I think they're, 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 they understand what it takes and it, 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 there's no rocket science to it
3: also in League One tonight, Stephen at Brentford. Borough will be without their goalkeeper, Steve Arnold, who was sent off at the weekend. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers will have a pitch inspection at 9.30 this morning to determine whether their match against Bradford City at Adams Park will go ahead tonight. And in uh, Luton Town, Scott Rendell has picked up a, the FA Player of the Round Award for his fourth round FA Cup performance against Norwich. Rendell came off the bench to score the winner against the Premiership Club. And he could feature in tonight's conference match at Dartford. The Hatters are 14 points from the One Automatic promotion spot and manager Paul Buckle knows his side have to improve on their away form
1: what must do now is get on a run away from home because um, he's still to play for massively the league tells a false picture in my opinion you know with us having so many games in hand you'd you'd really like those games to come those games in hand to come now
3: and that's your latest news and sport more from me at seven o'clock
5: on fm am and online bbc three counties radio
4: morning 08459 facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr yesterday coming up in the next 30 minutes yesterday we told you about the health secretary's plan to fund social care well this morning we're going to hear from a hemel Hempstead woman about how the changes are going to affect her mum who's got dementia and a dog grooming shop in Hertfordshire is shaving patterns into dogs Reporter Serena Farrow has been to see them. Is it ever acceptable to accessorise your pet? I once refused to hold two dogs on television because they were wearing jackets. I, I feel kind of quite strongly about this, decorating your dog with, with jewellery and bling and, and clothes. We don't put clothes on our animals. We so Shaving patterns into your dog. Do you think it sounds like a good idea? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. We were just speaking to Jackie Burnett, who is a Labour councillor for Limbury and Luton, and also a school governor, uh, who says that, that parents should be doing more to help their kids' education. Well, what do you think? Is it the parents' responsibility or is it the schools? Is this the schools trying to palm off the, the children onto the parents? 08459 455 555. Ophelia is in Luton. Good morning, Ophelia. Morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Ups and downs this weekend, ups and downs, but I'm fine. I'm okay, alive. The move, the, the move is over, The move is over. I have a lovely new house. Get this, Ophelia. I have a garage. I'm so posh. I have a garage, and to open the door, I just press a button on a key. And it opens. Very nice. I spent so all good. of Sunday just playing. Me and my boy were playing with that. It's like living in the Brady Bunch house. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's important for the snowing time as it well. It is important for the snowing time. Now, yeah. Ophelia, this, this education, what do you think? Should parents be doing more at home? You know, um, it was really good to hear that, Governor,
1: because it just made me sit up in bed and get out of bed. As I you did to. what? It made me sit up in sit bed. Sit up in bed. Okay, yeah, it's, That's really it's really important, Ian, 100%. Phew um the the things uh, the the nature and the cultures of schools have changed yep. and and we as parents and even those that are involved with have got parents or carers or grandmas and grandparents, we need to get on board with that i don 't think that it ever should have been the school's hundred percent responsibility. class sizes are bigger, English is often a second language in the class there's behavioral issues and and children have individual needs and need that to be carried off at home and one of the points the counsellor made which i am 100 percent on because i've seen it in my life and the life of my children is that you need to get children into a routine where learning and going to the library and reading is a part of their everyday life every day
4: ophelia i found i found homework oh such a chore I hated it. It was I, I hated it. Why, why should I, as a 12, 13, 14-year-old, why, sh- why should I be doing homework? I should be out living and enjoying life and playing on a spectrum.
1: But, and that's the thing that children see. they always got that sort of play mentality, and it's a part of their, their development, where they're at in their development. But, but they need these sort of teachings for later life because I felt the same way. But by the time I reached 18, 19 and was at college, I knew the importance of homework mm. and was already... Um, disciplined and organised enough to know, OK, time for the library, time for play. Ophelia,
4: can I ask you a question? Yeah. And I, 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 I thought Jackie Burnett, who just came in, I thought she put her point excellently. And uh, as, a, as a parent, I can totally see what she's saying. Yeah. But I noticed something, and I hope this isn't... I'm not sure whether this is snobbery on my part. Yeah. But I noticed that she used the word ain't at least once and i just thought no uh, but listen I'm, I'm prepared to be corrected i just thought for someone who's coming on and talking about how we can do better for our children to use the word ain't it just struck me as a little bit lazy
1: it's good ian because you know what that sort of classy thing yeah. will make people think understand that Well, it's not just uh upper classes right. or middle classes it's for everyone she's uh, talking as a ordinary, working-class mother and yep. making you know, you know what, regardless of whatever class, whatever what your status, your family is as a single parent or not, you know, your children have a future. You need to invest. It's an investment, yep. in. And the other thing she said, which I think is so important, is that parents need to plan ahead, regardless of if you've got five ten jobs my mom she worked from eight o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night and parents evening she would make time for yeah. it and uh, all right then we were a single parent family but you know they work very hard and you need to plan you 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 need to use annual leave to make sure you sit down and go through what your children are doing.
4: Ophelia, listen, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. Makes a point very strongly. Yeah, of course parents should be helping out more. That's what Ophelia thinks. Was I being snobby, picking up on the ain't? I don't know, I hope I'm not. I hope I wasn't a class thing there. I thought it interesting that a a counsellor who's talking about education and improvements used that word. What do you think?
16: keep me on your side you give me calls for love that i can't hide for you i know i'd even try to turn the tide because you're mine i walk the line I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tide that binds Because you're mine, I walk the line
4: Bit of Johnny Cash, come on Hey, Johnny Cash, hey Now, this is a story. If you want to see some pictures of this, what we're talking about here, because it's quite hard to describe, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. The pictures are up there. Okay, so maybe go and have a look at it while you're listening to this report, because a dog grooming shop in Hertfordshire claims to be the first in the country to offer pooch patches. Jessica Allegri and Amanda Marshall from Groomers on the Green in Brookmans Park came up with the idea when they were bored one day. They're not tattoos as we know them. These are patterns shaved into the dog's fur. 08459 oh, double five five double five. Good idea or bad idea? Reporter Serena Farrow went and had a look.
17: It's the the so It's very noisy in here. So this is the bathroom where they've, you've got industrial sized shampoo, if you like. Yeah, five litre bottles of shampoo um, and industrial sized bath, so every dog can fit in there, there's no breed that can't fit. And then they have their bath and then they go onto uh, the table here to be dried. And it looks like he's loving it there oh, in the, yeah. the old dryers. Yeah, he's a regular Harvey, he loves it, he loves being pampered. He's having a massage there right now. Do they get a massage, seriously? Yeah, they do in the bath, they get a doggy massage, yeah, yeah. I've got a proper spaniel on the table. I'm just sort of giving him a short haircut all over, just a practical haircut for this weather.
2: What things can you do?
17: Some shapes, obviously, are quite hard, obviously, because we're using clippers. Edges quite difficult to do. We're hoping to do our logo on my dog soon so he can represent us when he goes out for walks. But that's going to be a challenge because it's a very difficult shape to do. But we will practice on him. You've got, like, men's shavers and clippers and things. We're using men's n- nostril shavers to do the small shapes with so we can get the edges and stuff really straight. Mainly dog, small dog clippers, finning scissors, all dog grooming equipment, though.
2: We started it here when we were bored one day, and it's just taken off. People have seen it, have liked it, and are requesting it to be done on their dogs, really. It's something we want to make bigger. You kind of vet, excuse the pun, you vet the animal first before you actually do the pooch patch on them. Yeah, we do, because obviously if the animal's quite nervous or jumpy, then there's no way we'd be able to do it, and it's just not worth it. The grooming takes roughly two hours to two and a half, but if you want the pooch patch, it's half an hour to 45 minutes. It's another half an hour for the dog to stand there if it's not completely comfortable, especially if it's the first time with us or it's quite young. There's all different factors to consider, really. And what's the average price of one? Sort of £20 (laughs) onwards. But of course, it could be as defacing them. It's to everyone's opinion. We can't please everyone. If people want something a bit different and snazzy, then it's for them. If it's not, then that's completely fine. And what kind of dogs have you done it on? Because I can't see, like, an Alsatian having it done. No, it's mainly done on short-haired breeds. Otherwise, it won't be seen. Some people want things that we haven't done before like one direction sort of logo one direction yeah are you thinking about doing more kind of diamantes
17: even we're hoping to get the bling bling out there it's all got to be doggy friendly though for health and safety we want to dye the pooch patches as well so yes you soon have a little catalogue available (laughs) yeah hopefully
4: that's our reporter serena farrow they're talking to jessica and amanda from groomers on the green they're talking about doing their logo on their dog i've just seen their logo good luck good luck with that Well, in in an hour's time, we're going to be speaking to the RSPCA in East Hertfordshire to see what they think. But in the meantime, I want to hear from you. Is it ever acceptable to accessorise your pet? 08459 455 555. The pictures are on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. It's a tough one, isn't it? Do you think it's a good idea? Go and have a look at the pictures and then let me know. Do you think it's a good idea? The only accessory I really like on, on animals are those, um, those collars they have to wear. You know the, the, when they, they've, hurt, they, they've hurt their leg and they're not allowed to lick their leg? So they have those collars that come out over the head. Those are fun. Those are the fun things. But <laughs> t- t- shaving shapes, shaving a One Direction logo into your dog. Really? 08459 455 555. Travel news now. Tyler.
7: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Starting to look busy, anti clockwise on the M25. Delays at the moment between junction 21 at the M1 and 19 at Watford. Speed down to around 30 miles an hour there. And uh, also heavy around 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40 as well. The 405 North Orbital Road is still looking heavy, just uh, approaching the M25 junction 21A roundabout. Everything else, though, really not looking too bad out there this morning. It's uh, coping fairly well on the speed sensors and the trains also looking good on the departure boards. At at the moment Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio
4: Thank you Sophie Well Trudy Ren on Facebook has got in early She's seen these pictures of these dogs and written Tusk That's how you spell Tusk is it They're dogs not blooming accessories Have a look then give us a call 08459 455555 555. Right, nearly 6.46, it's Tuesday the 12th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A St Albans man has been successful in his bid to help police get more drivers with poor eyesight off the road. Parents hold the key to boosting GCSE results in Luton, according to one local councillor. In sport, Luton Town's Scott Rendell has picked up the FA Player of the Round Award for his fourth round FA Cup performance against Norwich. Coming up, the Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, has been setting out how the government plans to fund social care in England. Mr Hunt confirmed that individual contributions will be capped at £75,000 from April 2017. We'll find out more before 7 o'clock. But before all of that, let's get the latest, uh, latest weather now with Kate Kinsella.
18: Well, it's another cold start to the day. Temperatures across the three counties, around zero or just below, for example, over in Highwick, and we're at minus one. So, some frost out there this morning. It is a much quieter day than yesterday. We can't rule out the odd snow flurry, particularly for higher ground, but for most of us, it's rather grey, it's rather dry. So, that's good news. It's a bit quieter. Temperatures, though, struggling, I'm afraid, under the cloud. We're looking at a maximum of two Celsius. That's 36 degrees in Fahrenheit. Overnight, we'll have a bit of cloud for a time, but it will break up Slowly, that's going to allow the temperatures to drop right down. The minimum overnight tonight minus two Celsius 28 degrees in Fahrenheit, so a widespread frost and maybe some icy patches tomorrow morning as well. For Wednesday, a frosty start due to the clouds parting quite uh, late on in the night, towards the uh, dawn tomorrow. Really, we could get some sunshine first thing, but it will be cold. But it's through we head through the day, the cloud will thicken, and towards the latter part of tomorrow afternoon, we could see a little bit of snow arrive. But with the wind changing direction overnight, that will progressively take to rain which sets the way for thursday but the maximum temperature tomorrow is still very chilly three celsius that's 37 degrees in fahrenheit that's your forecast
4: thank you kate on valentine's day
7: bbc three counties radio launches on dab (laughs) digital radio (laughs) and as part of our special day to celebrate we want to hear about your plans to propose to your loved one for richer for poorer for better for worse If you're happy to share your romantic moment, email us 3CR at bbc.co.uk or via facebook.com and twitter.com slash bbc3cr. And don't worry, we won't let the cat out of the
4: bag.
5: This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Now, we talked about this yesterday. The Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, has been setting out how the government plans to fund social care in England. Mr Hunt confirmed that individual contributions would be capped at £75,000 from April 2017. Speaking in the Commons, Mr Hunt said he wanted to help people plan for the cost of old age. By creating certainty that this is the maximum they will have to pay, they can then make provision through insurance or pension
9: products so that they are covered up to the value of the cap, thereby reducing the risk of selling their home or losing an inheritance that they have worked hard to pass
4: on to their family. Under the changes, people will be able to keep more of their money before they have to start paying for care. At the moment, the means-tested threshold is £23,000. In future, that will be set at £120,000. But those in residential homes will still have to pay for their own accommodation and food. The Shadow Health Secretary, Andy Burnham, has criticised the package. He's calling it a con. The House has been
19: presented with a flawed prospectus today. Vulnerable people will still face rising care charges. Homes will still be lost, despite valiant attempts to put the best possible spin on things in the weekend media.
4: Well, Denise Rose Coyle is in Hemel Hempstead and her mum has dementia and had to go into full-time care. Morning, Denise. Good morning. Uh, listen, I had to uh, make the decision with my sister to put my mum into, into care. It, it, it's a tough thing to do, isn't it? Can you describe what it felt like when you realised that that was what you had to do?
20: It's an in- incredibly tough thing to do. Um, it's the feeling of guilt more than anything. Um, my mum never wanted to go into a home, as probably most people's mums or dads would be, and... Um, And it was just, it is quite a soul-destroying, and it's horrible to have to to watch her sort of being destroyed by this disease. Um, But it's just something that we had to do. It was unsafe for her to to be on her own, um, in her own home anymore. Did you get any
4: criticism from friends or family for doing that? Because I've fallen out with big parts of my family because we put mum in a home.
20: I think, well, I mean... uh, as a family, we're very supportive of one another, mm. and um, I've had nothing said to me to my faith, that I know about. So, no, we haven't come across anything Good. like that. I mean, we personally we feel guilty about yeah, it anyway. Of yeah,
4: um, of course you do. But you know that mum's in, a, in is in a safer place and exactly, is well protected. Exactly.
20: Yes. Yes, that's right. We do have peace of mind. Mm.
4: Give us some of the idea uh, uh, of the costs that are incurred for your mum's care.
20: Well, currently she is actually paying seven hundred and twenty pounds per week. Um, to be in a, a full time residential care home, um, which obviously is a, a huge drain on her her financial resources i mean she's she saved um, well during her life and mm. she does own her own property, um, which we will eventually have to sell to to fund her care as she is classed as self funding because she has assets over twenty three thousand So yeah, it's it's a a big financial commitment, and um, we're obviously, you know, struggling to to pay that at the at the moment. Um, Is the
4: the house on the market yet? Have you have you gone down that road yet? Not
20: on the market yet. No. I mean, this is quite a. She's she's only recently gone into care. It was January when she first went in. So we're just exploring all of our options at the moment, Um, and we we just we realise that there is going to have to be a point when her savings run out that we will have to indeed sell the house which was it was really my, my dad bought it on the the right to buy scheme in the 80s mm. with with a vision of providing mum with a home for the rest of her life and then sadly when she died um, we would inherit this this would be for his children his mm. grandchildren and great grandchildren and he worked from the age of 14 and spent time doing national service for this country and we just feel as though you know for what um, and we feel that we're failing him in some way because we can't carry out his wishes
4: one of my uh, mum's, which when she's kind of remembers what what happened, one of her saddest things is that she's had to sell her house, so she's got yeah. no inheritance. I, I, I'm not worried about the money, but she's got no. nothing to pass on to her grandkids now. Yeah,
20: exactly, exactly, and that's exactly what my my dad wanted to do. I mean, my mum doesn't have that many lucid moments at the uh, at the moment, but I'm sure she she would want the same for us as well.
4: These changes that are announced, 2017, they come into place. I'm, I'm guessing it may be too far in the future to be beneficial to your mum. Is yeah. that right? T-
20: too late for my. mum yeah absolutely do you think Um, they
4: sound like a good idea though
20: it's uh, i would class it as a shuffle in the right direction i wouldn't go as far to say it was a step but i mean at least they have encountered the issue Mm. and tried to do something about it um but it's it's not really going to benefit that many people i would challenge the government to find me a Hertfordshire homeowner, for instance, whose property is valued at 123,000 or less,
4: mm. because,
20: you know that that is a silly. People silly are amount.
4: people probably still are going to have to sell their yeah. homes, but exactly. I, the, 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 the increase of the threshold by about 100,000 pounds that that that's something isn't it
20: yes it is something it is something um it would have been nice if they'd have kept the care cost at the original amount by the deal not commission of 35k but that's gone up by forty thousand. But but yes the, in- the increase in the the threshold um for the the
4: assets is is a good thing denise final question how's mum doing is she settled in yet she's
20: she's not too bad she's she's not Brilliant, where yeah. <laughs> she is, but um, she's she's getting the care. She's put on a bit of weight, yeah. and you know we have peace of mind. So
4: listen, you've done you've you've, you've done the right thing. And uh, there are people out there who judge and say, "Well, you should be doing more for your family and stuff." I think you've done a very brave thing, Denise. And it's a tough decision to make, but you know that mum is safe uh, and she's um, being well looked after. So that's all you can ask for. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Oh Cliff Richard.
15: A move it and a groove it yeah, Shake oh baby shake oh honey Please don't lose it The rhythm that gets into your heart Is so Let me tell you
16: baby it's called Rock and roll They say it's gonna die but honey Please let's face it Well it just So I've got nothing on a real country music that just drives along
4: I don't think Cliff will mind if I fade him down early. I just want to speak... We've got a caller. I want to speak to Caroline from Caddington about these dogs that are uh, having these patches shaved into them. Morning, Caroline. Good morning, Ian. Now, you you sell clothes for dogs on the internet, don't you? Yes, I do, yes. What kind of stuff do you sell?
21: Um, Anything from your very practical high-vis jacket through to very pretty little dresses.
4: Dresses? Yes. For dogs? Yes. Why? Why not? Because we don't dress our animals. They're dressed already with fur.
21: Yeah, OK, but there's usually only very small little handbag dogs that tend to wear the dresses. But the practical coats, you say you, they, shouldn't wear cl- they shouldn't wear clothes. Why? A dog can get hypothermia, can get frostbite. A dress
4: a isn't going to stop that, is it?
21: No, of course it isn't. That is that Silly is for that. That's just a and you know sort of a fashion accessory, isn't it? That's just to say, oh look at my
4: dog. But isn't shouldn't we be treating pets with a, a little bit more respect than than using it as a fashion accessory?
21: Yes, I agree. Yes. So and there are a lot of people, um, especially with you know sort of. I'm not quite so so sure about the uh, the clipping as, as if it's just scissors and. Yeah a pattern okay yeah. fair enough yeah. most people get their dogs uh, clipped, yeah. but when it comes to the colors and the nail varnish and yes you can get little bling what?
22: earring things for
4: Sorry? dogs that's taking it a little bit far you can get nail varnish and bling earrings for dogs Yes. I, I do like the way you've got your boundaries. Dresses, hey, that's fine. Bling, e- <laughs> bling earrings. Oh, no, that's going too far. Yeah, it is. But, it but, is. But what about, we're talking about these, these patches being shaved in. Someone's having a One Direction logo. I believe they're a pop group uh, shaved into their dog. That's not fair, is it?
21: No, it's not really. I mean, it's not actually going to do the dog any harm. No. Um, it's, only it's, only, it's only It's only being cut. It's only being clipped. But yeah, I, I, it is kind of taking it a little bit too far with dogs, making it an accessory. Dogs
4: know when you're pointing at them and laughing at them, don't they? Ooh, yeah. They do. Some dogs do actually like being dressed up. Some dogs do actually and, like... And how did they let you know this, Caroline?
21: You can just see it in their faces. You can see the happiness in their face. You can see their tails wagging. Um, and they, they like being groomed. They like being dressed Oh, they up. like
4: being groomed. All dogs love being groomed. I'm not... No, I'm not <laughs> Well, they should do. I'm not convinced about the, the, the dresses and the, the bling.
21: Ask Roberto to see Dolly. I'm
4: all you right. I don't need to see Roberto's Dolly, for goodness sakes. Caroline, thank you very much. Caroline from Caddington there. I, I've, I've got to be honest. I don't think we dress our animals, do we? Am I being a little bit oversensitive here. We'll talk more about this after the travel with Sophie.
7: Beds, hearts and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Busy anti-clockwise on the M25 delays uh, just between junction twenty-one A at St Albans and nineteen at Watford. It can take you around a quarter of an hour to get through that stretch and twenty-five minutes as well to get through from seventeen at Maple Cross to fifteen at the M4. The A four hundred five at North Orbital Road is still busy approaching the M twenty five junction, twenty one a roundabout, and the Barnet Bypass also heading south, looking fairly busy, way you'd expect between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Trains are coping well this morning, no problems on the tubes either. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio
4: Thank you very much Sophie Well we've, we've posted the, the pictures of these dogs With their patterns shaved on them on, on, on Twitter and Facebook And Chris Knox on Twitter He's not happy He's just replied What the hell? Really? Really? Well I have no faith left in the human race do you think? Are we being oversensitive? Is it just a bit of fun? Should we be treating our pets as accessories, or should we have a little bit more respect for them? Here's the news with Catherine, getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking.
5: This is BBC Three Counties
3: Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines Driver eyesight victory for St. Albans campaigner. Luton councillor criticises hands off parents and dog tattoos take hold in Hertfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. St. Albans man has won his fight to give the police more powers to tackle drivers with dangerously bad eyesight. Sam McCord is behind the introduction of Cassie's Law, named after his sister, who was killed by a driver who'd failed a roadside eye test but was able to get back behind the wheel. From now on, police would be able to suspend that driver's licence a matter of hours. Bedford optometrist Simon Browning welcomes the move.
6: People especially elderly people do need some form of transport to get around and they're very reliant on their cars but it's this denial that we all have in terms of vision that uh, I only use it on Wednesdays at three o'clock yep. or something like that as if the rest of the world knows that they should get out of the way.
3: The European Union's called a meeting to discuss the discovery of horse meat in food products labelled as beef. In the UK, horse meat's been found so far in burgers and ready meals, including lasagna and spaghetti bolognese. A stricter testing regime is being introduced in France, where some of the wrongly labelled products sold in England were made. Parents in Luton need to take more responsibility for their children's education if GCSE results are ever going to improve, according to one local politician. Jackie Burnett is the Labour councillor for Limbury, as well as a parent governor. She told Ian Lee, teachers can only do so much
14: we're running homework clubs and parents don't make sure that the children attend or homework is not completed now if the teachers are set in homework it's really important for the parents to make sure that the child does the homework if they're struggling raise it with the teachers to me you know the parent needs to know what is going on the decision
3: by the Pope to stand down is provoking intense speculation about who might be chosen to succeed him as the leader of the world's Catholics. Pope Benedict surprised even his own advisers when he announced yesterday that at the age of seventy-eight, sorry, 85 he would resign because he was too infirm to continue his ministry. What's thought to be the world's oldest pancake race is set to be held in Buckinghamshire later on. It's thought the tradition back begin, began in Olney in 1445 when a woman who was late for church ran out of her house with her frying pan in hand. A Brookman's Grooming Parlour claims to have launched a UK first dog tattoos. There are no needles involved, but uh, the pooch patches are patterns shaved into the fur of short-haired varieties. Jessica Allegri owns G- Groomers on the Green and she thinks she's on something big.
17: We're hoping to get the bling bling out there. It's all got to be doggy friendly though for health and safety. We want to dye the pooch
3: patches as well. In sports, England's cricketers have won the toss and elected to field against New Zealand in the second 2020 international taking place in Hamilton this morning. A short time ago, New Zealand were 111 for two. The weather, cloudy and cold, but staying dry today with a top temperature of four degrees Celsius, that's 39 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news.
4: If you've just joined us, I'll be honest, you missed a cracking hour. It's all downhill from here. No, hang on, that's not right. No. Lots coming up, though, between now and eight o'clock, including the police are to get tougher powers to tackle drivers who have poor eyesight and are unfit to drive. St Auburn's man campaigned for the change. He uh, changed. He's on the show next. I want to hear from you. Should drivers be forced to have regular eye tests? A dog grooming shop in Hertfordshire is shaving patterns into dogs. Some owners have even asked for the One Direction logo to be marked on their pets. Do you think it's ever acceptable to accessorise your pets? Have a look at the pictures on facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. I'll be talking to the owner of the shop in a little bit and telling them what I think. And we've sent reporter Sophie Solaria on a secret mission... She's picked a place name at random from a hat. She chose Kempston. I told her she needs to find a story there before nine o'clock. We'll catch up with her shortly to find out how she's getting on. i given you the Facebook address. You can also text 81333, start your text 3CR, and please include your name. Or you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555.
5: BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Now, a man from St Albans has successfully campaigned to make it easier for police to get drivers with poor eyesight off the road. If a driver fails a roadside test, police can now get information straight to the DVLA and their driving licence can be suspended within a matter of hours. It follows the death of 16-year-old Cassie McCord, who was run over when an 87-year-old driver mounted the pavement and struck her. Her brother is Sam McCord and is from St Albans. Morning, Sam. Good morning. Sam, can you t- tell me what happened to your sister? What happened that day?
23: Um, she was on her way to school, uh, to Sixth Form College in Colchester, um, and the gentleman meant, mounted the curb, um, then swung back onto the road, and then mounted the curb again, where he struck not only my sister, but another girl as well. Um, she was then uh, hit against the wall and, uh, and passed away uh, through being brain dead. Um, the gentleman had hit the accelerator instead of the brake. Mm. Um, and he'd also had a previous incident a few days prior to that, which was uh, extremely similar
4: and how did you find out sam what 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 happened
23: um i got a I got a phone call off of my uh, off of my mum um who uh, attended the scene um she told me that my sister had been had been in an accident um and would i be able to to come up to the hospital in colchester um and from there, she was she was then moved to Bromford, which was where I eventually got to see her before she before she passed away.
4: And how are the family? W- w- did this happened eight, eighteen months ago. Have I got that
23: right? Uh, it was actually two two years, ago, two years uh, ago. Yeah, last Friday. Yeah. Oh, Sam, I'm sorry.
4: How, how are the family coping?
23: Um, I think I think we've all pulled together. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a traumatic time for us. Um, they say time's a healer. It's obviously obviously one thing that's yet to be seen. Mm. Um, uh, we're, we're, we've all pulled together. Um, it's, been, it's been difficult. It's been difficult over the past couple of years. Um, however, with the, with the petition, it's, it's made it slightly easier, knowing that nobody else, uh, nobody else can suffer the same way that we have.
4: Well, y- you've achieved something, which is, I- is remarkable and, and deserves to be applauded. When did you start the campaign?
23: The campaign was put into place uh, by my mother. That was, I'd say, four, four or five months after the, after the accident. Um, she had a word with, <coughs> excuse me, with uh, with petition experts um, and with her local MP, which was Sir Bob Russell of Colchester, um, and they discussed ways to to obviously stop this this type of accident from happening.
4: And it's 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 taken place. It's happening. You've 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 won this.
23: It has, yeah. Now that there's a new procedural improvement on the back of uh, on the back of the Cassie's Law petition, um, that obviously now, as opposed to it taking. Days to revoke the license of somebody who's um, deemed dangerous on the road by the police. It uh, can now take a couple of hours.
4: I'm going to ask a question that's pretty horrible. So, if, if you know, uh, you say that this gentleman who, who killed your sister had been involved in a similar incident a few days before. Yep. If this law, if Cassie's law, had been in place two years ago, do you think that your sister would would still be around?
23: Most definitely, yeah. Yeah, most definitely.
4: How did you feel when you found out that this this, this chap had uh, uh, had done this a couple of days before?
23: I was stunned at the fact there was there was nothing in place uh, and that the loopholes in the law existed. Um, the fact that he'd failed an eyesight test, um, the fact the fact that the it, the reason for the accident could have been helped, um, knowing that he was then allowed to get back into his car, despite the fact that the police thought that he was unfit to drive and told him that they felt he was unfit to drive um i felt i felt disappointed and let down by by the fact that these these loopholes did exist there were obviously ways to, ways that they could be could be put into place to protect
4: and, so and l- l- let people. me know if i got this right the, the way it works now is if uh, the police suspect that someone's eyesight is not up to scratch they can send is it they send an email
23: they can now yes they can telephone email um the dvla directly and they um, respond to that almost immediately, do they? It is within, a of, uh, within a matter of minutes. Yeah. Are you happy with this? Are you, does it go far enough? For for us uh, at this time, I'm, uh, we're more than happy, yeah. more than happy with this. Um, had this been the case um, two years ago, my sister would still be alive. Um, there's also been very similar incidents that ha- that have happened between now, uh, between then and now, where where other people would have would have uh, avoided accidents as well.
4: Do you think people are aware? of how bad their eyesight actually is?
23: Um, it's, defi- it's definitely a, an area where, where I guess it, it comes down to self-judgment. If you feel personally that you're okay to drive, mm. um, people are dependent on it. Um, so whether you think if you wake up your, your vision's a bit blurred and you need to get to work or you need to get to the shops, it, it's completely down to yourself whether you, whether you feel that you can drive or whether you feel that your eyesight's going or not.
4: And Philip, you say it was it was two years ago, uh, very recently. Did you, did you do anything to, to, to remember Cassie on that day, or do you try and just have a, in inverted commas, a normal day?
23: Um, I, I took the day off work. I spent some time with my with my mum. Um, we went out. We went out of the day to a place that, that was very special to us as a family. Mm. Um, I then came back and spent some time with my dad. Um, it's obviously a very difficult time, and I want to spend time with the, with the people that, that I love, and, and they love me, and they love my sister.
4: Well, listen, not that this makes up for it in any way whatsoever. Of course it doesn't. But you have achieved something that's amazing and will hopefully save more life. So that's, that's, that's a
23: tiny little bit of life. Is it, you've got another petition as well. We have, yes. Um... Cassie, Cassie's law petition is now finished. Um, we've now we've now set up another one, um, which is safer roads in memory of Cassie. Um, it's on the petition online. Um, it's we're calling for the government to introduce a retest for drivers at the age of seventy, mm. um, which would be some form of medical assessment uh, as well as an eyesight test.
4: Because the re- the retest is na- is it seventy five? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't got, I
23: haven't got it right, okay. t- to hand. So you want you, you're, you're petitioning for a, a
4: retest at 70 uh, and a medical as well, a just medical, to make sure they're fit,
23: including an eye test. Um, and then we're calling for that to happen uh, every time you reapply for your licence and uh, yearly eyesight test once you reach the age of, age of 80 as well. Mm sam listen
4: i really appreciate you coming on uh what can i say lots of love to you and your family and um you know these things do tend to to, to bring people closer together don't they
23: they do yeah
4: definitely well and congratulations on getting this this, this put through sam thank you very much indeed uh, sam mccord from st albans who is the brother of uh, cassie who uh, was 16 and died two years ago uh, just last friday
5: The BBC embeds hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Well, what can you say after that? You you just kind of have to to move on and, and, and do some other bits and pieces. So, let's have a look at the front pages of the newspapers, shall we? The Guardian. Uh, bolt from the blue, Pope's resignation stuns church. As um, uh, Who was it on Twitter? Made, made the only... De- so many Pope jokes yesterday. Uh, th- th- wh- who was it? It was Rachel. What's Rachel's last name on Twitter? Hang on a second. Uh, Rachel Lichtman, who I follow and who's brilliant. She's called it Pontificate. Oh, that's good. Pontificate. I, we'd always we really thought of that. Pope Benedict the... Ex- 16th. Stunned the Roman Catholic Church yesterday as he announced his intention to carry out the first papal resignation in almost 600 years, prompting shock from even his closest confidants and a kind of, eh, from everyone else. Is anyone really bothered by that? I don't even know if the Catholics are that bothered by it anymore, are they? Uh, and Tesco say Bolognese range is 60% horsemeat. The Independent... Um, the independence situation vacant new leader wanted for 1.2 billion roman catholics there's talk there might be a black pope you know how they you know that there was a lady pope years ago hundreds of years ago there was a lady pope a woman pretended to be a man and um became the pope and then when she died they're like oh no nuts or or rather no nuts she's a she's a woman we've been tricked so now I'm, i'm sure this is true Someone could call in and confirm this or not. 08459 455 555. They have a thing called the Pope Chair. Okay? And the way the Pope Chair works is you sit on it, but it's kind of like a toilet seat. Okay? There's, there's a hole in the middle. I'm, I'm sorry if you're having your breakfast. I'm sure this is a true story. And the Pope sits on the chair without any underwear, and someone reaches behind underneath, I'm sure this is true, to feel if it's a Gentleman. I'm sure I'm getting looks from my fa- from my teams if to say no that's not true. I'm sure that's true. Can someone f- confirm or or deny the rumours of the pope chair. 08459 455 555. They sit on a chair it's like a toilet seat. Everything ha- hangs below like in that James Bond film and someone reaches behind and goes, "Yep, that's a bloke." Does that happen? I'm sure it does. Uh, the Times, I'm too frail to go on. First Pope to resign his office for 600 years. Uh, the uh, the Telegraph, I'm too frail in mind and body to carry on. We have, we've lost The Express. No, no, great loss, really, in the, the scheme of things. The Daily Mail. Uh, now Tesco admits its bolognese is made of horse meat, and Helena Bonham Carter is going to play Elizabeth Taylor. And The Sun... Uh, Uh, England's 40k for Gaza squad and FA pay to aid rehab, there we go, 08459 455 555, this is a serious question, is there such a thing as a Pope seat, and does it involve someone reaching behind, I'm sure it does I I couldn't have dreamt that, could I 7.15 (laughs) Travel News, Sophie Tyler
7: Hearts and Bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Looking fairly busy now, London bound on the M1 around Junction 9 at Redbourne and anti-clockwise on the M25. Still looking at delays between 21A at St Albans and 19 at Watford. 35 minute delays as well between 17 at Maple Cross and 15 at the M4 and the Barnet Bypass. Heading south, still looking slow between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Through Cheshunt. the A10 Great Cambridge Road is also queuing. Uh, heading south between Brookfield Lane West and College Road. Everything else not looking too bad at the moment. Trains are coping well. Well, on the departure boards as well. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you very much, Sophie. We're just trying to get confirmation on the existence of the papal chair. 08459 four double five five double five. And no, Catherine Ball, they do not roll under the chair on a skateboard. Nearly 7.16. It's Tuesday the 12th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. As you've heard, a St Albans campaigner has won his fight to give police new powers to suspend the licences of drivers found with dangerously bad eyesight. Parents in Luton need to take more responsibility for their children's education if GCSE results are ever going to improve. That's according to one local politician. In sport, there'll be a pitch inspection at 9.30am to decide whether Wickham Wanderers' League 2 match against Bradford City goes ahead tonight. Weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, cloudy and cold, but staying dry with a top temperature of 4 degrees. Coming up, should parents take more of an active interest in their children's education? 08459 four double five five double five.
5: BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. No two
9: days are ever the same on my programme. That's because I get to meet passionate local people.
4: As usual, a pint in the Queen's Head one night in Amptor, we said, hey, why don't we have a, a pop-up cinema? And we just got together and we... Convert Parkside Hall into a cinema. Play loads of great music. The Birds, Mr. Tambourine Man. Tell me which other show on the radio goes from Leanne Rimes to Elvis Presley.
19: And sometimes I try to learn new skills.
4: And then you've got the white
24: thread basically connected to these bobbins, which make.
5: I did I may have messed them up. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: There you go. Always worth a listen. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. We are trying to ascertain uh, the existence or otherwise of the papal chair. We'll discuss more in a bit. Now, you should take more of an active interest in your children's education to improve GCSE results. That's according to the Labour councillor for Limbury in Luton. Jackie Burnett, who is also a governor at two Luton primary schools, argues that teachers can only do so much. I spoke to her earlier on.
14: I hear reports of we're running homework clubs mm. and parents don't make sure that the children attend, mm. or homework is not completed. Now, if the teachers are setting homework, it's really important for the parents to make sure that the child does the homework. Mm. If they're struggling, raise it with the teachers and say, oh, my son or my daughter is struggling with this. Mm. But... To to me, you know, the parent needs to have know what is going on. You know, attend parents' evening, ask questions. Parents are busy, so if they can't attend parents' evening because they're doing a shift work yep. job, try and go afterwards because things are going on during the the school year and finding that there's a problem your child ain't on target when the academic year is about to finish or they're about to take exams is yes. a bit late. But but there are some. There are single parents.
4: There are parents that are working two, three jobs. There are parents that haven't got the time to do this thing—to check on the, the, their children's homework, or to go to parents' evening, or to make them a packed lunch, or do these things.
14: I'm a person who has been a single parent. Yeah, I've I've done it for nearly 10 years yeah so and I've taken the, I've taken the time and I've, I've done two jobs as well mm. yeah it's just about planning what I used to do because parents evening used to be suddenly upon me a week before I would phone up the school six weeks before and find out have you set the date for parents evening yeah you know, because I know sometimes things just happen and as a parent, when you're single or two jobs, you can't just suddenly change things. If I couldn't make the, a meeting, I would phone the school and say can I arrange a meeting with you at a more convenient time and I would suggest the times that mm. I, I can make it.
4: Well, that was me speaking to Jackie Burnett earlier on. I'm joined now by Timothy Ramston, who represents members of the teaching union NASUWT in Luton, Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. You need to make that into a catchy word. You're missing a trick there. Like or three counters yeah you need something like that now you, you heard jackie there no. what, what, what do you think
24: do you think the parents should be doing more timothy yes it's, it's part of our belief that parents and schools should work together and very closely um, the only thing i would say and i must say that i agree with what i heard from jackie i heard as i was coming in here your caller ophelia mm. who i thought made some very very good points in fact if every parent behaved in the way she said uh, things might be a lot better for young people than for schools Uh, I think we've got to remember two things, though. A parent is largely interested in their child, their children, quite naturally, quite rightly. And it's quite right that they should make their concerns about their children known. That helps the teacher, the school, know what the particular problems are or what the successes are, where the child's saying, I want to do more because I've I've done that work and it's boring, where the child says, I can't understand. At the same time, the teacher usually has about 30 or more people in a class. They can't spend all the time, even if there are teaching assistants to help, dealing with one or two, three, four children who happen to have parents who make their concerns known. So what I would like to see is within the resources that are available, and that is important, that those parents who find it difficult to go to the school, mm. the ones who perhaps had a difficult time themselves, whose strength doesn't lie in going into institutions and talking to people, be at schools or elsewhere, are actually encouraged to come forward and not seen as problems, and their children's difficulties aren't seen as problems, but are encouraged to work with the school so you're working in alliance. Because that, mm. I think, is the... We, we all that I think is the big thing we all know about the child who causes trouble what has always concerned me is the child who doesn't cause trouble sits there, says they understand they're getting on fine but really is taking nothing in and that is somewhere where I think the parents could say but they don't seem to understand they don't mm. know what can we do and I think the question from a parent that is really valuable is not so much you do this, which it can be interfering with the the teacher's work, but what can we do to help? How can you help us as parents? You mentioned something that's interesting that hadn't occurred to me, but makes perfect sense,
4: is that some parents don't like schools. They have bad histories with schools. They don't like institutions. They don't like necessarily one-on-one confrontations with a teacher or with a head teacher. Uh, So it, it, it is difficult for some
24: parents to, to to go into the schools and flag up issues and, and things. And it could be if there are resources that some sort of parent advocate to go in with them, mm. somebody who can help them, uh, would be very useful because one of the things that a lot of us tend to do if we are worried or anxious is we get aggressive mm. um, or we're worried about, or we don't go in because we're worried about what the other person will say yep. and so a constructive conversation never takes place. So I, th- I think that's right that it's useful that those where there are difficulties schools have changed a lot Mm. and many people who are parents or grandparents even giving advice will find that schools on the whole nowadays are much more receptive but i do have one thing to say which is we are facing the threat of a breakup of the state education system Mm. and the danger there is that you will get some schools where essentially schools, it's a question as to whether the schools are there for the pupils, or the pupils are there to give good results for the schools and build the school's reputation. Mm. Now, I would like to see every school required to take on board parental concerns, not just in terms of tell us what our teachers have got to do and send emails demanding this, that and the other, but, you know, feel that you if if you've got difficulties, it's not that we don't want your child, it's not that we're going to try and get rid of your child, and unfortunately that can happen. It's actually a question, although it's rare, uh, what we actually want is parents who can go and feeling confident that the school really wants to help the child. And I think if you get that sort of involvement and parents don't feel afraid and they get a positive reception and they get support, I think they'll find that it will help their children. And that, of course, helps the whole atmosphere of a classroom and the development of a whole class. You represent teachers in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. H- how do parents compare... And Luton. and Luton. How do parents compare in Luton to, to elsewhere? Well, it's not actually Luton versus Hertfordshire or whatever, yeah. um, but there is, in any area, and you can find this, I'm sure, in any single county or authority with, within the three counties area, you tend to get either the area where there is more of this sort of challenge, the social deprivation, where there are a larger number of people, though I ha- don't hesitate to say it, it's by no means everybody, who are of the type that you mentioned, or in the situation you mentioned, I find it difficult to go into school, I don't support the school, I don't see the or they don't have education. the time, they could be doing two or three or jobs. they're tired out because yep. they're doing two or three jobs, they're cleaning at night, they've got a job in the morning, etc, etc. On the other hand, you get the, shall we say, the more affluent areas, mm. where the behavioural problems tend to be far more from the in brackets, uh, sorry, an in inverted commas, spoilt child, the child who expects too much, and where the parents' challenges are not what's the school, what's the point of the school, the, the parental challenges are the school's got to do more for my child, the school's got to do more for my child. Now, both those need mediating mm. because any parental concern is a genuine concern. Schools aren't there for teachers, etc. Schools are there for children, mm. and the parents, obviously, are the people closest to the children. So there are differences which do tend to follow social... Class and levels of affluence, yeah. etc, and levels of education and the parents and all these other things that people uh, measure society by, but the important thing is that whatever the challenge that within the resources that are available, and I think parents have to realize there is limited time for teachers because mm-hmm. they 've got one hundred and one things to do that We individualise things and certainly build a partnership between parents and schools. It happens, I have to say. Mm. It happens particularly in primary schools where you'll find parents going in, talking to the teacher, bringing the children into the classroom sometimes in the Mm. morning. It's far more difficult with the larger, spread-out secondary schools. Uh, But I think that it's something which has to be positive. And I I do agree with uh, Jackie Burnett. There are some people listening, though, who might be saying,
4: hey, come on a second, it's the teacher's job to teach my kids. Stop trying to, you know, palm this
24: responsibility off onto us. Well, if they say that, they're quite right. It is the teacher's job to teach the child. But if you put it another way round, would you rather have your child taught for four, five, six, five or six hours in school and then not at all? Or would you rather have your child taught for, say, 12, 14, 16 hours? Because you, the parents, you might formally do it you might sit down and read or help them add up or give a bit of aid with homework or you might just encourage them to go and do the homework might just encourage them to watch a different television program might just encourage them to read a book rather than watch a video etc etc then uh, or dvd i should say it shows how old i am yeah, we um, do, yeah. <laughs> uh, so i think there is parental encouragement so you're right we don't not asking parents to do the job of teachers Mm. but they can supplement and enhance them uh if you're in training for the olympics and everybody wants their child to be olympic standard in education my my
4: boy's my boy's gonna win wimbledon that's that's definitely happening yes
24: you don't stop at four o'clock and say right that's it because my coach has gone home i'm not gonna use a tennis racket till tomorrow and the same is true parents can do a tremendous amount and even if it's just in helping to model good behavior Mm. and language and appropriateness of language that helps as well now You uh, made a comment on Jackie Burnett's uh, use of language, and Mm. whether it's true or not, it isn't necessarily so that she's, you know, not allowed to use a word (laughs) like ain't.
4: she she used the word, just for those who didn't hear it, she used the word ain't, and I'm hoping this isn't me being snobbish, but I thought it was interesting that someone who is pressing for better standards in education
24: would use a word that my mum would have told me off for using when I was younger. Yeah, I think it depends on on, on the usage, etc. I I think that if I had a a young person in a class who had learned something and was able to express something for the first time, I wouldn't say, you shouldn't have used that word ain't, you should have said isn't. I might quietly say it afterwards or next time, why not? But the important thing is is what is being said good is it showing that there's learning going on and you know i would say the same for jackie i think she's made some very good points and you've allowed her to make them public she excellent. made them excellent i dre- my boys are
4: three and one i'm dreading i'm dreading when they get to like 12 13 14 they start bringing maths homework home dad how do i do this i don't, I
24: don't know i haven't got a clue so what do you do about it wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> wikipedia are even more wicked you say well okay i'll email the school now, right that's fine I, you know my child needs help with his homework yeah. i can't give it him can you help what would be wrong i think as a teacher representative is that you send that email and then an hour later say why haven't i had a reply to my email yeah, yeah because course. it might need more discussion it yeah. might not be a reply to you it might be talking to your son or daughter when when they're at school Timothy, thank you so much for coming in. You're Absolutely fascinating, Timothy Ramsden from uh, Nazyut. That's right. Is that how we're saying it? Nazuut in three counters.
4: Here we go. Fantastic, excellent stuff. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Very quickly, we've sent Sophie Soleria out on a top secret mission. She's gone to Kempston, a name she picked at random, to uh, come up with a story before nine o'clock. Sophie. uh, Are you in Kempston?
11: I am in Kempston, yes. I'm just at the high street. I am. I'm by the
21: recycling
4: bin. Oh, classy. That's how I imagine you to be, Sophie, in your time (laughs) off. Are you any closer to finding a story? You've only got, well, an hour and a half.
21: I know. Not really. I'm not going to lie to you. Kempston's actually a little bit quiet at the moment. Mm. But my theory is that they are good recyclers. So I'm going to stand by the bins, and hopefully they'll what? come over. If that doesn't, if that doesn't yep. work, there's a post office up the road. Oh I think people might go there. Otherwise, there's a doctor's surgery.
4: I might have to check myself in. How long, how, Sophie, well. Sophie, Sophie, Sophie. How long have you been standing by the recycling? 20 minutes. How many people have you seen recycling? Zero. Right. What time does the post office open? I don't know yet. What time does the doctors open? I don't know. Yeah, what I'm saying is, you need to work a little bit harder.
11: I know, yeah, OK. I'll
4: speak to you later, Sophie. Yeah. Good luck. Oh, dear. Ha! <laughs> yeah,
7: poor Sophie!
4: Here's the other Sophie in my life, Sophie Tyler.
7: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Anti-clockwise on the M25, we're looking at delays of around 15 minutes between 21A at St Albans and 19 at Watford, and delays again of 45 minutes between 17 at Maple Cross and 15 at the M4. Now, the Barnet bypass heading southbound is uh, looking slow at the moment between Stirling Corner and the Watford bypass, and through Chesant as well, the A10 uh, Great Cambridge Road, also slow just around Brookfield Lane West. Now, the A5 heading south through Dunstable, also slow at the moment between Church Street and Lynch Hill, usual delays for this time in the morning. Everything else actually not looking too bad. Seems to be moving fairly nicely out there, and the trains also looking good. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Well, I'm hearing. Mi- Thank you, Sophie. I'm hearing mixed stories about this papal chair. First off, on Facebook under the uh, the picture of the dogs with the the patches groomed in, Gillian is saying The Pope chair and woman, both Pope Joan and the chair are Protestant myths put about to discredit the church during the Middle Ages There is no documented evidence of either But then Mark on Twitter says Yeah, the Pope's tackle-checking chair is the Poffrey chair It was instigated because of Pope Joan in 2015 You were on the ball, mm, sir So we need definite proof I guess we need to get, like a Catholic priest on Make it happen. 08459 455 555. Here's the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This
3: is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning it's just gone 7:30 the headline de St Albans campaigner has won his fight to give police new powers to suspend the licences of drivers found to have dangerously bad eyesight parents in Luton need to take more responsibility for their children's education if GCSE results are ever going to improve according to one local politician and a Brookmans Park grooming parlour claims to have launched a UK first needle free dog tattoos <laughs> Beds, hearts and
7: bucks, Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England's
3: cricketers won the toss and put New Zealand into bat for the second 2020 international taking place in Hamilton this morning. A short time ago, New Zealand were 176 for five. In football, MK Dons are away to Doncaster tonight in League One. Luke Chadwick will start, having come on as a sub in the defeat at Oldham on Saturday. And by the manager's own admission, the Dons were poor at the weekend. But Carl Robinson says his players know what's expected of them.
15: And the players sometimes have got to stand up and be counted. As well as the staff has, but I think you know, I always have been quite honest and open with you. We've been very honest and open this morning, had frank discussions, and some of them I spoke to yesterday as well. And I think they're, 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 they understand what it takes, and it, 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 there's no rocket science to it.
3: Also in League One tonight, Stephen Hidre at Brentford. Borough will be without their goalkeeper, Steve Arnold, who was sent off at the weekend. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers have a pitch inspection at 9.30 this morning to determine whether their match against Bradford City at Adams Park will go ahead. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three
5: Counties Radio.
4: A dog grooming shop in Hertfordshire, shaving patterns into dog's fur. There are pictures of it. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Go and have a look and let me know what you think. Well, Jessica Allegri and Amanda Marshall are from Groomers on the Green in Brookmans Park. They came up with the idea when they were bored one day. Always the best place and time to have ideas, I think. They're not tattoos as such. They're patterns shaved into the dog's fur, as reporter Serena Farrow discovered.
17: This is the bath first, where you've got industrial sized shampoo if you like. Yeah, five litre bottles of shampoo um, and industrial sized bath so every dog can fit in there, there's no breed that can't fit and then they have their bath and then they go onto uh, the table here to be dried loving it there in the old dryers. Yeah, he's a regular Harvey. He loves it. He loves being pampered. He's having a massage there right now. Do they get a massage? Seriously? Yeah, they do in the bath. They get a doggy massage. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a proper Spaniel on the table. I'm just sort of giving him a short haircut all over. Just a practical haircut for this weather.
2: What things can you do?
17: Some shapes obviously are quite hard, obviously, because we're using clippers, edges, quite difficult to do. We're hoping to do our logo on my dog soon so he can represent us when he goes out for walks. But that's going to be a challenge because it's a very difficult shape to do, but we will practice on him. You've got, like, men's shavers and clippers and things. We're using men's nostril shavers to do the small shapes with so we can get the edges and stuff really straight. Mainly dog, small
2: dog clippers, finning scissors, all dog grooming equipment, though. We started it here when we were bored one day, and it's just taken off. People have seen it, have liked it, and are requesting it to be done on their dogs, really. It's something we want to make bigger. You kind of vet, excuse the pun, You vet the animal first before you actually do the pooch patch on them. Yeah, we do, because obviously if the animal's quite nervous or jumpy, then there's no way we'd be able to do it, and it's just not worth it. The grooming takes roughly two hours to two and a half, but if you want the pooch patch, it's half an hour to 45 minutes. It's another half an hour for the dog to stand there if it's not completely comfortable, especially if it's the first time with us or it's quite young. Yeah, there's all different factors to consider, really. And what's the average price of one? Sort of £20 <laughs> onwards. But of course, it could be as defacing them. It's to everyone's opinion. We can't please everyone. If people want something a bit different and snazzy, then it's for them. If it's not, then that's completely fine. And what kind of dogs have you done it on? Because I can't see, like, an Alsatian having it done. No, it's mainly done on short-haired breeds. Otherwise, it won't be seen. Some people want things that we haven't done before. Like, One Direction, sort of logo. One Direction? Yeah. Are you thinking about doing more kind of diamantes,
17: even? We're hoping to get the bling-bling out there. It's all got to be doggy-friendly, though, for health and safety. We want to dye the pooch patches as well, so, yes. you soon have a little catalogue available. <laughs> yeah, hopefully.
4: There's a reporter, Serena Farrow. One of the voices you heard there is Jessica Allegri, the, uh, one of the owners of Groomers on the Green. Morning, Jessica. Good morning. What inspired you to come up with the pooch patch?
25: Um, well, um, the truth is, we were bored one day at work, I had my dog in there, and we wanted to shave the logo into his fur, but as that's too difficult, we started off with a paw print, and it just all started from there.
4: How popular have they been?
25: Um, to be honest, we haven't got, it's not out there at, uh, a lot really. Right. Um, we've tried to get it out there, but we just need to keep it on the hush, really, because we don't want everyone else to start copying us. It's something that we started, so we don't want to make it ours.
4: Well, hang on a second, Jessica. You're saying you want to keep it on the hush. You're live on BBC Three Counties, really. <coughs> there are literally dozens of people listening to this. Yeah,
25: there's more... well, as from yesterday, we had a newspaper come in, and um, you obviously called us to do a little part on it. But um, before that, we kind of wanted to sort of keep it a bit
4: hush-hush, but now it's everywhere. What, what is what is the One Direction logo? I don't, I've not seen their logo. <laughs> it's like a, a number one and a capital D. Oh, clever. I see what they've done there. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, is it... Simple. Jessica, is it... Yes. Listen, I, the, the, we, we should look after our pets and we should groom them, and of course, we should, you know, some pets need to have their, hairs, get their hair clipped and stuff like that. But really, is this, is this fair to be doing this to a poor animal? Well...
25: It's not really a poor animal, is it? I mean, to be honest, it's just like having a haircut anyway. They come to us for their regular haircuts, yeah. um, we use clippers on their body, and it's just—it's only using a clipper on, on the body, we're not harming the dog in any way.
4: No, it's, I'm sure there's no, there's no physical harm whatsoever, but, but it, it, it's a bit disrespectful, isn't it, to do that to an animal?
25: Um, no, I think it's just a bit of fun, to be honest. People love to have fun with their
4: dogs, and this is just another way of doing that. Okay, Jessica, stay there. I want to speak now to to Pat Trussell from the RSPCA in East Hearts. Morning, Pat. Morning. What what, what do you make of this, grooming uh, and and, and shaving shapes into dogs' fur? Personally, not RSPCA, but
22: personally, I
4: think it's a bit ridiculous. I really do. It's just a bit of fun, though, Pat, isn't it?
22: Well, it may be fun, but you're making the animal look stupid. And why? I mean, I have a lovely boxer. I wouldn't disfigure him in any way. And, you know, to do this is so unnecessary. Animals are abused so much today. And to do this deliberately... I think it's stupid. I really do. And expensive.
4: (laughs) Well, Jessica, there's an interesting point. How much would it cost, Jessica, for me to have the One Direction logo shaved into a dog?
22: Well,
21: we
25: start from £20, so depending on how hard the shape is to do, um, you know, it starts from £20,
22: no
4: more than £30. Okay, it's not that expensive, Pat.
22: Well, it is when you think of all the animals that are coming into our care daily, yeah. and we're having to fund these animals. Yeah. you know that's
4: a lot of money to me. Well, it but, but, really is. But Pat, but by surely by if people are prepared to spend twenty five, thirty pounds but, on on oh, their dog, spend, yeah. that, that shows that they are they they love their dog, that they're looking after their dog. That's it. Pre- well, Jessica, Pat's saying it's stupid.
25: Well, um, we don't think he's stupid. Obviously, it's not for everyone's discretion. Um, obviously, we think it's fine. It's only a little bit of fun. I mean, my boxer will lay down. He'll come over to us, lay by our feet and sit there. You know, he'll sit there. He loves it. He loves it. Not every dog's going to want to stand there for the amount of time that it takes. But obviously, we won't be doing it on most sort of dogs. So...
4: Pat, the do- dogs enjoy... I haven't got a dog now. I used to have a dog when I was younger. But th- they enjoy being pampered, don't they? And brushed and groomed. Oh, yes. My dog enjoys being brushed, yes. That's quite different
22: being shaved with <laughs> various shapes on their backs. I mean... Would you know. not fancy the, the One
4: Direction logo
22: on your boxer? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> it would spoil him. He's so lovely. <laughs>
4: Jessica, she's got a point, hasn't she? The, the, the dogs are be- dogs are beautiful, even boxers as as they yeah. are. Uh, do we really need to add anything to them?
25: No, but like I say, it's just a bit of fun, and obviously, it's not all over the dog. We're not going to start making a dog, you know, shave patterns all over the dog's body. It's just a patch on the dog. So I think I think it's fun. I, I don't
22: see the problem. I, I can understand the fun aspect, but. You'll get other people at home with shavers and trying to do it themselves and then we'll have more big problems. And I can see this happening and also it won't be just one motif, it will be several and then what happens to the poor dog, it lands up in the vet. You know, this worries me.
4: We, where, where do you take this next, Jessica? I mean, uh, uh, diamante kind of studs. People have suggested <laughs> a vajazzle. I don't know what that means. What, what kind of things? Where do we would we go now?
25: Um, well, all we're trying to do is be is start something different. I mean, hopefully, we w- we are going to make it bigger, and we will be using doggy friendly accessories. Um, we're just trying to come up with unique things that might work and might not work.
4: Pat, what what clothes does your does your boxer like to wear?
22: He doesn't wear any.
4: Oh, <laughs> oh. We had a lady on uh, earlier on who um, uh, sells dresses <laughs> oh, <God>. for dogs.
22: <laughs> really, it is taking things to the extreme, isn't it? Do you not think it's... a dog would like to wear a dress? No, I don't think he would.
4: <laughs> what a, What about a lady dog? <laughs> Would a lady dog like a dress?
22: No, I don't think so. I I like a dog to be a dog. Mm. And in its natural surroundings and, you know, none of this diamantes and whatever. I, I, I think it's just silly. I really do.
4: How old's your dog, Pat?
22: he's a rescue he's eight years old we adopted him a few months ago
4: fantastic well yeah. listen good pat good good for you thank you very much for coming on pat trussell from the RSPCA in east hearts uh, jessica so you're going to carry on with this are you hoping to get lots of bookings for this um yeah we'll be definitely carrying on i mean okay. um we're,
25: we're hoping to get lots of bookings in the
4: future okay brilliant thank you very much jessica allegri uh, one of the owners of groomers on the green well, what, what, what do you think do you think it's ridiculous, or is it just a... Come on, it's just a little bit of fun, isn't it? Let's have a quick look at the Facebook pages. Uh, Trudy says, they're dogs, not blooming accessories. Dobbs says, just naff. Um, Pete Clark says, ha, 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 I want one. I want one. Lisa Fitzgerald says, tat is just sad. Gary, no, 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 it's mad. Leave the poor dogs alone. Mark Emmett, I suppose it'll be okay to dye the dog's hair pink, though. I'll leave it at Mark, please. We let, That was yesterday. Horrible. They look like they're in the first stages of mange, says Zoe. As bad as pink Diamante collars and silly clothes. Um, not saying, most people not enjoying it on there. What do you think? 08459 455 555. John Mitchell on Twitter says, this dog shaving caper sounds a bit chavvy, don't you think? I'm not one for dressing up our pets and doing silly things to them. I kind of think they're, they're, leave them as they are. Apart from the St Bernard's with uh, the brandy barrel around his neck. That's cute. Oh, a brandy barrel around a dog's neck. That's genius. The rest of it, though, I'm not sure. 08459 455555. Right, travel news, Sophie Tyler.
7: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: London bound on the M1, we're looking at delays between junction 11 at Dunstable and 9 at Redbourne, and anti clockwise on the M25, delays of over an hour between junction 21 at the M1 through to 15 at the M4. London bound on the M40, also looking very slow between junction 1A at the M25 and uh, junction 1 at the Denham roundabout this morning. While heading south on the A1, more delays between the St Neots Junction and the Black Cat roundabout, heading down the Great North Road and the Barnet Bypass, still slow as well between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Bypass. Everything else not looking too bad. Trains are moving nicely. But if you spot anything we're not talking about, give us a call in the studio. Do be sure to let us know. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you, Sophie morning, 7.45, Tuesday the 12th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A St Albans campaigner has won his fight to give police new powers to suspend the licences of drivers found with dangerously bad eyesight. Parents in Luton need to take more responsibility for their children's education if GCSE results are ever going to improve. That's according to one local councillor. In sport, Liverpool's hopes of European football glory suffered a blow as they lost 2-0 at home to West Brom who now move above them into 8th place in the Premier League table. Coming up, the decision by the Pope to stand down is provoking intense speculation about who might be chosen to succeed him. Before 8, we'll find out what a change in leader could mean to the Catholic Church. But before that, let's get the latest weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather.
18: BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Well, it's another cold and frosty start to the day. Temperatures across the three counties that are down to zero or just sneaking below out towards Buckingham, it's minus one. Milton Keynes around zero, so we have got pockets of frost out there. It's a much quieter day today. We have still got one or two snow flurries possible as we head through the course of the morning and indeed into the afternoon, but less so than yesterday and more towards higher ground as well. So most of us, is just going to be grey, dry and rather dull. Certainly very cold. It's a little less um, he- oh, heavy a little less strong the wind today uh, but it is still from the northeast so it's still very very chilly then so, you are going to feel that now if you are heading out temperatures aren't going to get much above what they are now we're looking at a maximum of just two Celsius 36 degrees in Fahrenheit now overnight tonight cloudy to start with then we'll see a few breaks in the cloud and when it does break we will see the temperature drop right down below zero looking at a minimum of minus two um, that's 28 degrees in Fahrenheit even even inside Townsend City, we're getting down to zero. So we can expect a frost overnight. In some places, it will be quite a hard frost. Icy surfaces um, throughout tomorrow morning as well. But the cloud starts to move away um, towards dawn, really, tomorrow morning. So that paves the way to a brighter start to Wednesday. Bit of sunshine, even, dare I say it. But it will be frosty. We'll be scraping our windscreens merrily in the sunshine. The cloud will roll in, though, through the course of the day. And by the time we get to evening, you could actually see a little bit of sleet or snow arrive. That will turn overnight to rain and drizzle as the temperature warms up slightly. Maximum temperature tomorrow. is still going to be cold, I'm afraid. Three Celsius, 37 degrees in Fahrenheit. That's your forecast.
4: Thank you very much. Tonight, there's an action-packed three-county sport. Back into the box. Ronnie Henry's in there. (laughs) And it's a goal for Luton. Luton travels south to face Dartford in the conference. MK Dons have a tough trip away to title-chasing Doncaster. It's
1: a header, and it's in. It's a goal as Anthony Kaye, who's equalised.
4: And Stevenage are in the capital to take on Brentford.
7: What a strike from the Stevenage midfielder.
4: Three Counties Sport, tonight from 7 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking about shaving pets, and shaving shapes and signs and logos into pets. I hope they've got permission to use the One Direction logo, otherwise there could be serious legal ramifications. Uh, Rachel is on the line. Morning, Rachel. Good morning, Ian. How, How are you? I'm, I'm OK, thank you. You run a pet salon in Biggleswade, is that correct? I do. Hollywood dogs. Well done for you. Excellent plug. Now, would you ever <laughs> shave a, a, the, the One Direction logo into a dog?
21: I don't think I would, no. Why? Um, personally for me I think it's a bit only wears Essex which is not really my uh, taste Mm. Um, and I think I'd go against doing something that was as permanent as that. I mean, we've done, you know, fun things, but always things that are semi-permanent that will come out.
4: Well, it, it, um, it will grow out, won't it, of the dog, the, 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 the little shaving. It'll grow out eventually.
21: Oh, yeah, yeah, it'll grow out, but it won't look very nice when it grows out. It's a bit yeah. like um when people have it in their hair. It kind of, uh, when it's growing out, it never looks as good.
4: The, the, the old tram lines, although I think they've exactly. moved on a bit. Since, uh, so yeah. you say you do, you, you do things that are semi-permanent to dogs. What, what, what things do you do to dogs in, in Hollywood? Well, but- More
21: like, sort of, styling and things like that, styling hair into, like, Mohicans, and I've had customers that have put semi-permanent colour on, you know, on their dogs. I once dyed my own dog pink, but that was many, many years ago.
4: Hang on a minute, Um, Uh, Rachel, hang on a minute. (laughs) So you think it's a little bit naff, right, Yeah. to shave the One Direction logo into a dog, Yes. but giving it a Mohican and dyeing it pink, that's not naff, yeah? Well, ah. I, that was
21: about nine years ago that I did that, and I think things have
4: moved on a bit since then. Have well, the question is, have you moved on a bit since then, uh, Rachel? De-
21: most definitely, most ah. definitely.
4: Rachel, listen, thank you very much for that That's Rachel there, who's uh, th- moved on a little bit since dying With This whole dying thing's pink It has got me in so much trouble yesterday with Helen Mirren Over a hundred comments on the Facebook page about that yesterday Rachel, thank you very much 08459 555 So, uh, Bill Roach Who plays um, uh, Barlow Ken Barlow in Coronation Street right? He's 80 He's looking good for 80, I think He split up with his girlfriend, who's 44 He's almost twice her age Because Roach, 80, is a member of religious cult the Pure Love Movement and had predicted that the world would change unrecognisably in December last year with the start of a golden age ending war, poverty and famine. Miss Jessen, his former girlfriend, 44, who dated Roach for three years, said it was to do with the end of the world. It was always going to come to a climax in December. His spirituality became more and more of a priority. But then listen listen to this. Last year... Bill Roach claimed to have slept with around 1,000 women. I didn't have any control over my own sex drive, he admitted. Really? Ken... B- Listen, I know he was a bit of a mover and a shaker in Coronation Street with, with Deirdre Barlow, nay Rashid, uh, and some other ladies. I can't remember who he, he, he had it with in there. But he... he, he slept with over 1,000 women? Bill Roach... This is all in the mail. There's, there's another great story in the mail. I know, there's a sentence I never thought I'd say without my tongue in my cheek. Uh, th- th- there is a gentleman here, David St. John. That's a good name. I'm David St. John. I want to make love to you. Uh, he's 64 years old. He's been on 27 television game shows starting in 1982. Okay, so He's been on it for, for a long time and he's been on Eggheads, The Chase, Weakest Links Hell of Century, loads of stuff in case you think wow this guy is living the dream David St John must must be making a fortune 27 TV appearances since 1982 over the decades Mr St John a professional comedy entertainer reckons he's won about £5,000 in cash, holidays and other prizes well come on Five grand for pounds for, for 30 years work that's not brilliant is it I wonder if he's been on... There's a new show that I've not seen, apparently, uh, that, 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 that sounds like the kind of nonsense I could sit through and watch just on a loop. You know, uh, uh, Laura, producer Laura, what's that programme called, the, the Penny Shove programme?
26: Uh, where all of the coins fall down? Yeah. Um, oh, is it something drop?
4: Pe- penny drop, let's call it. Let's and call it
26: Penny Drop. And yeah. it's
4: Ben Shepherd. Mm. So what happens in it? You were trying to explain this to me, and I didn't quite get get it.
26: So Ben Shepherd's the host, yeah. and he asks questions to... Uh, four people I think yeah. and they buzz in when they yeah. know the right answer yeah. and if they get the right answer then they get a coin right. that they can then put in the machine, they press a button, the coin goes in the machine uh-huh. and then it sends other coins over the edge right. and then those coins push the other ones over the other edge right. and then they build up money.
4: This okay. is the, So this is like the tuppenny thing you get in the, the mm-hmm. fair?
26: Yeah, your two p. How
4: much money are they playing with two p's? or are they playing with, with bigger money?
26: They're playing with bigger money
4: yeah.
26: and if they get the most amount of money they then go through to the end round oh, where gosh. the task is to get the big star coin the red one, gets
4: the weight of the lady yes. out
26: of the machine right? and then if they do they win £10,000. Well, that's not bad and if they don't they get to keep the money that they've made throughout the programme which is usually about £3,000. I've clearly and, watched this too much
4: and this goes on for an hour
26: and it goes on for an hour and at the end if you miss anything they give uh. you a recap
4: <laughs> they give you a recap thank you very much for that I've never seen this show. I'm, I'm hunting it down. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Sounds fantastic. Now, on to slightly more serious matters, or maybe not serious. It depends on, on your opinion on, on organised religion. Pope Benedict Sixteenth has resigned. He told his cardinals it was due to his advanced age and his incapacity to carry out his ministry. He's likely to be replaced by an Italian or a European pope. I think Italy is still in Europe, uh, who shares his conservative views. We can talk now to our religious affairs uh, correspondent, Alex Strangeways-Booth. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. What, What does this mean for Catholics in England?
0: Well, you know, Pope Benedict visited this country in 2010, and it gave the Catholic Church here a real sense of renewal, a jolt in the arm. One Catholic told me yesterday, and the numbers of people turning out to see him were, admittedly, far fewer than the numbers who turned out to see John Paul II when he came in the early 80s. But that the crowds who did come were absolutely fervent. I was in Glasgow and Birmingham for the open air masses there, and there was real passion and love for him among the crowds. And many people say his visit especially inspired younger Catholics who knew him better than uh, pope john paul ii and he spoke at westminster hall to politicians during his visit and said that christians needed to be able to speak out about their faith and faith needed to have a have a place in public life which is something very current at the moment you know we've seen quite a lot of christians going to the european court of human rights for example saying that they've been discriminated against on the grounds of their faith so you know he, he he struck a chord i think with english catholics who've grown to love him
4: what's the relationship like with the anglican church
0: Well... You know, it, the, the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church in England have always have had an increasingly strong and good relationship over the last twenty years, and ecumenical relationships, opening their churches to each other. So it's always been a strong relationship. Benedict was responsible, though, for creating this bit of the Catholic Church called the English Ordinariat, where Anglicans can go if they're disillusioned with the Anglican Church and the way it's going with creating women bishops, for example. And he came under a little bit of criticism for doing that because he hadn't really discussed it. At according to some anglicans he hadn't discussed it fully with the anglican church and there was a real fear that there'd be a massive exodus of anglicans to the catholic church but that didn't happen actually and far fewer people went to join the ordinariate than was predicted so you know that panned out okay in the end and the new archbishop of canterbury justin welby is very keen on the catholic church and catholic theology and has spoken about his love for it and one of his mentors is a catholic monk he spent time in a monastery in france um it's a really part of his kind of profile so whoever becomes pope next will already have a sort of strong strong starting point with uh, english catholics i think
4: well who's in line for the, the the papal job because i i'm hearing stories that we might have a black pope is is, is that possible like the, 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 the catholic church and the pope in particular to me seems very conservative and it, it, it doesn't seem to me that it's ready for that kind of bold statement
0: well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because no um, uh, Catholic uh, bishop or anybody I've spoken to has mentioned any names at all. So the names which are being mentioned are pure speculation in the press, really. Oh. But a lot of people would like to see an African or a South American um, pope because these are the areas which have really grown. The church has grown massively during the time that Benedict's been pope. Um, so we're hearing the name uh, Cardinal Peter Turkson, who's from Ghana, also John Ona who's from Nigeria, and uh, an argentine cardinal leonardo Sandri, who comes from latin america but you know these pope these these cardinals will be conservative the catholic church in africa and latin america is a conservative mm. church it's not i mean there's quite there's some radicals in south america but you know it, it would still the, ch- the pope would still be conservative but just it would give the church a very different look. And, and I think there are, there are more Italian and um, play, cardinals from other places in Europe who, who might be more likely to, to, to get the job, but Alex, you never know.
4: finally, to throw this at you, uh, the, it, the, the, papal, <laughs> the papal chair, is it, is it a fact or myth that they had a lady pope one, one year, one year, and to make sure they were never duped again, they had this chair where the, the pope's um, gentleman's bits would hang down, someone would reach behind and go, yeah, that's a bloke. Is that true or is that a myth?
0: <laughs> i've never i'm sorry i'm unable to confirm or deny this story oh
23: I'll don't you know
0: for you have you never heard of that <laughs> no. i've not heard that no
4: <laughs> oh i've given you something i don't know it wouldn't surprise me though i pope joan apparently was the lady pope and to make sure they were well go and have a look alex and maybe we'll speak at a later date about it thank you very much Alex Strangeways Booth she's our religious affairs correspondent I may have just educated her or corrupted her I don't know we're still trying to find out whether the papal chair is (laughs) I'm so sorry I put her on the spot now I feel terrible for the poor lady she's doing an excellent job and I throw that nonsense at her thank you Alex you've been a good sport Ah, we shall pursue this further travel news now Sophie Tyler
7: and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Still looking much the same at the moment London bound on the M1 We're looking at delays between 11 at Dunstable And 9 at Redbourne And anti-clockwise on the M25 Also have delays of around uh, an hour and 10 minutes Between Junction 21 at the M1 And 15 at the M4 London bound on the M40 Also looking at delays between 1A at the M25 And 1 for the Denham roundabout And southbound on the A1 More delays on the Great North Road Between St. Nears Junction and the Black Cat roundabout And the Barnet Bypass Also slow between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus Trains running to time at the moment Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you very much, Sophie. So, so far this morning, we've discussed shaving the One Direction logo into dogs and checking whether the Pope is a man by reaching underneath a chair. Lots more coming up in the last hour of the show. I'm so going to. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This
5: is BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, driver eyesight victory for St Albans campaigner, Luton parents told to take more of an interest and Hertfordshire Salon criticised over dog tattoos. BBC Three Counties Radio. St Albans' campaigner has won his fight to give police new powers to suspend the licences of drivers found with dangerously bad eyesight. Sam McCord's teenage sister was killed by a driver who'd failed a roadside eye test but was able to get back behind the wheel. Thanks to his petition, Cassie's law will now enable police to suspend that type of motorist's licence within hours, Sam told Ian Lee it's gone a small way to helping his family deal with what's happened.
23: They say time's a healer. It's obviously, obviously one thing that, that's yet to be seen. It's been, it's been difficult. It's been difficult over the past couple of years. Um, however, with the with the petition, it's it's made it slightly easier, knowing that nobody else uh, nobody else can suffer the same way that we have.
3: Barclays Bank has announced it's cutting 3,700 jobs. Just over half will be axed from its investment banking division in the UK, while the rest will go from its European operations. A Luton politician is hitting out at parents who take no interest in their children's education. Labour borough councillor and parent governor Jackie Burnett says mums and dads must get involved if GCSE results are ever going to improve. And she says working parents have no excuse.
14: Parents are busy, so if they can't attend parents' evening because they're doing a shift work job, try and go afterwards. Because finding that there's a problem, your child ain't on target when the academic year is about to finish or they're about to take exams is a bit late.
3: The European Union's called a meeting to discuss the discovery of horse meat in food products labelled as beef. In the UK horse meat's been found so far in burgers and ready meals including lasagna and spaghetti bolognese. A stric- stricter testing regime's being introduced in France where some of the wrongly labelled products sold in England were made. What's thought to be the world's oldest pancake race is set to be held in Buckinghamshire this afternoon. It's thought the Olney tradition began in 1445 when a woman who was late for church ran out of her house frying pan in hand. And a grooming in brookmans park is claiming to have launched the uk's first ever dog tattoos there's no ink or needles involved the patterns are shaved into the coats of short-haired breeds and will eventually grow out groomers on the green say the technique's proving a big hit with owners however it's gone down like a lead balloon with pat trussell from the east hearts rspca
22: i have a lovely boxer i wouldn't disfigure him in any way And, you know, to do this is so unnecessary. And to do this deliberately... I think it's stupid. I really do. And expensive.
3: (laughs) In sport, England's cricketers are now batting in the second 2020 international against New Zealand in Hamilton. A short time ago, they were 18 for two, chasing a target of 193. The weather cloudy and cold, but staying dry with a top temperature of four degrees Celsius. That's 39 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news.
4: This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show. I, I, I'll give you the contact details in a bit. But here's what we're talking about. See if any of this um, strikes a chord. Police are to get tougher powers to tackle drivers that they believe are unfit to drive. It's all down to a St. Albans uh, Man's campaign. We'll hear from the Institute of Advanced Motorists to see what they think. And parents... Do more to help your kids in school. That's what a Luton counsellor is saying. It could help boost their GCSE results. How much do you think mums and dads should do? And just after six o'clock this morning, I sent out reporter Sophie Solaria on a secret mission. She picked a place name randomly out of her hat. She chose Kempston. And she needs to find a story there before nine o'clock. Otherwise, she's fired. Yeah, I've just had a bit of tension we've added to it there. Last time we spoke to her, she was loitering by the recycling bins in the high street. Who's going to be recycling at half past seven, eight o'clock in the morning? We'll catch up with her soon and see if she's made any progress at all. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR, or give me a call 08459 555.
5: BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: We're still trying to find out if this papal chair is uh, truth or myth. Now, new powers have been given to police to get drivers with bad eyesight off the road. That's following a campaign by a man from St Albans. 16-year-old Cassie McCord was killed when a car mounted the pavement. The driver had already failed a roadside eye test after an earlier crash a few days before. Her brother, Sam McCord, campaigned for police to have more powers to suspend driving licences, and now it can be done in a matter of hours. Sam spoke to me earlier.
23: They say time's a healer. It's obviously, obviously one thing that's yet to be seen. Mm. Um, uh, we're, we're, we've all pulled together. Um, it's, been, it's been difficult. It's been difficult over the past couple of years. Um, However, with the with the petition, it's it's made it slightly easier, knowing that nobody else uh, nobody else can suffer the same way that we have.
4: Well, y- you've achieved something which is I- is remarkable and, and deserves to be applauded. And it's 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 taken place. It's
23: happening. You've 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 won this. It has, yeah. Now that there's a new procedural improvement on the back of uh, on the back of the Cassie's Law petition, that obviously now, as opposed to it taking <clears throat> days to revoke the license of somebody who's um, deemed dangerous on the road by the police it uh, can now take a couple of hours
4: you say that this gentleman who, who killed your sister had been involved in a similar incident a few days before yep if this law if cassie's law had been in place two years ago do you think that your sister would
23: would still be around most definitely yeah most definitely
4: Listening to that is Tim Shalcross
19: from the Institute of Advanced Motorists. Morning, Tim. Good morning. What do you think of these these new powers? Uh, I think they're a very good thing. I think most people would be quite surprised that it used to take the the days that it did because everything was done by post. Now, finally, the police and the DVLA have agreed procedures prompted by uh, Sam and his his, uh, campaigners who've done a fantastic job in getting officialdom to move on this. And now if the police feel that somebody's cited is not good enough for them to drive, they can temporarily revoke that drive, driving licence immediately, subject to confirmation later on by the DLA. But the important thing is a dangerous driver can be removed from the road immediately.
4: It did. When, when we were talking about this yesterday,
19: I, in the sort of little meeting
4: that we have from time to time, uh, it, I, I couldn't believe that it, the police didn't have the power to take someone's licence off them immediately before this. So you, you would just assume it's an obvious thing if someone's eyesight isn't up to scratch and the police can prove that wallop i'm having your license and your car
19: keys well absolutely and most people would be i I was totally surprised when i first heard it as well that um back when this this incident and one or two others happened um and you know, common sense has now come and prevailed. It's it's, it's a legacy of procedures that weren't updated in mm. the past. When we didn't have things like email and smartphones and so on, it was, well, you've got to fill in form, one, two, three, four, A in triplicate, paragraph, subsection C, and post it to there, and they'll post it to somebody else. And the whole thing was bureaucratic, took time. We've cut through all that now. Um, and, you know, hopefully this sort of incident will be much less common in the future but i must say it is extremely rare I mean, eyesight is a contributory factor to well under one percent of of crashes well under one percent should there be compulsory eyesight testing do you think tim well that what i've just said is the key thing there it's about point two percent of fatal crashes and uh point four percent of injury crashes where the police feel that poor eyesight was a factor. Now, given that we've had huge slashes in the uh, budgets for road safety already, in England the budget has been cut from £19 million just three years ago down to £3.7 million this year. Given that kind of cut in road safety budgets, do we really want to put resources into compulsory eye testing that is frankly a, a, a cause of a tiny number of crashes? Let's focus on the bigger issues, um, I mean, the, the most common cause of crashes or contributory factor to crashes is people looked but didn't see. Mm.
4: Should individual drivers be worried that maybe their eyesight isn't up to scratch? That, that, that may, that there is a chance that if people realise that they can have their driving licences taken away, they might not go
19: for that eye test or they, 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 they might just try and hide it as best as possible. This is something that that, uh, we all struggle with as we get older, or maybe as our parents get older, or other relatives get older. There comes a time when you start to think, hmm, is Auntie really safe to be on the road? Then it's a question of sitting down, talking to them. Now, everybody should have an eye test at least every two years. All the, the eyesight experts agree on this. So check if you've got an elderly relative or ask yourself, you know, properly, should I be going to have my eyes tested? Because often, um, you know, an eyesight condition can be corrected. Now, there are certain things that do happen anyway as we get older. I get complaints all the time from people who say, why aren't headlights adjusted properly these days? I keep getting blinded by them. It's, in most cases, it's not the headlights that aren't adjusted properly these days, it's just that as we get older, our eyes become less. Able to adapt quickly to changes in light, so we find lights at night more dazzling. This is just something that happens as we get older, we become more averse to nighttime driving. If that's extreme, consider trying to drive outside the hours of darkness, Tim. Listen, thank you very much indeed. Tim uh
4: from the Institute of Advanced Motorists 08459 455 555. Helen from Milton Keynes is texted 81333. Starting the text 3CR, putting her name on, well done, only read texts with names on on this show. I worked in an optician, she says, we regularly had people of all ages whose eyesight precluded them from legally driving. Even after being told this, they would still drive. Eyesight tests should be part of a more regular health check for motorists of all ages. Well, Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be continuing to discuss this on the big phone. in at nine, he's asking, should 70-year-olds have to take another driving test? You can start getting in touch with Jonathan now. You can email him. JVS show at bbc.co.uk. Put your phone number and your details and maybe a line about what you want to say. Or you can start calling 08459 455 555. We'll steal the best phone calls for this show and the rest will be speaking to Jonathan Vernon Smith after nine o'clock. Should we have a quick look at the front pages of the newspapers? For some reason, I'm, I'm, I'm lacking the Express and I feel like I'm missing something. I want to know what, what the. Should we have a guess what the front page of the Express will be? It'll be either a new drug for Alzheimer's um could be migrants um or it could be mortgages it could be weather couldn't it could be weather should we go there's a website that that, that will tell me what the front page of it is i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it's migrants i think, I think. probably gonna be let's have a little look front pages is uh, front pages today is a great resource for lazy people the daily express oh my goodness. Uh, oh, no, it's the Pope. It's the Pope and Adele. Well, there's a, there's a twist. Shocker's frail Pope resigns. They are all about the Pope, really. Perhaps I could have guessed that if I'd been a, a little bit more astute. The Guardian. Bolt from the blue. Um, is this a real picture? There's an amazing picture of uh, lightning flashes above St Peter's in Rome after Pope Benedict XVI said he was resigning as Pope. That's If that picture's real, which I don't believe it is for a second... Was that really? After he announced it, there was a lightning strike above St. Peter's in Rome. It's an amazing photograph. Uh, and Tesco say Bolognese range is 60% horse meat. Ah, the Independent. Situation vacant. New leader wanted for 1.2 billion Roman Catholics. Frail Benedict the Sixteenth becomes the first pope to resign for nearly 600 years. It's interesting. I was listening to another phone-in show yesterday, and we've kind of put it out this this morning. Not many people phoning in. We've had no one phone in, as far as I'm aware, to, to express outrage or shock or upset or disappointment. It, it seems like the whole world is doing a collective shrug of the shoulders and going, uh, yeah, okay. Is anyone bothered? Well, put, let's put this out now, between now and nine o'clock. Is anyone bothered that the Pope has resigned? 08459 four double five five double five. The front pages would have us think so. The Times. I'm too frail to go on. He says, the Daily Telegraph, I'm too frail in mind and body to carry on. Is anybody listening to this actually bothered that the Pope has resigned? Oh, eight, four, five, nine, four, double five, five, double five. Between now and nine o'clock, little straw poll, uh, completely unscientific. Um, Love locks. Oh, this is interesting. The key, this is again, the, the Telegraph, the key to romance or a bridge too far. Some people say it with chocolates, others say it with flowers, but now a growing number of people are showing their affection with love locks. Uh, I was in, uh, was it Copenhagen? Is, is Copenhagen, I'm going to say a really silly thing. Is Copenhagen in Germany? Where is it then? Denmark. <laughs> it's in Denmark, is it? Where was I in Germany then? <laughs> It sounds like Copenhagen. I was somewhere in Germany where they have this bridge that's covered with these padlocks. Thousands of padlocks. And they're doing it in London, are they? Two days before Valentine's Day, hundreds of padlocks bearing the names of lovers have appeared across bridges in London. Uh, it's a custom that's thought to have originated in Hungary. Where did I go to in Germany? That's confusing. I've only been once. Uh, And the reason I remembered it was, A, there's thousands of, of padlocks on a bridge. You would remember it. There was a huge padlock the size of a baby. Locked to the bridge. Oh, this is interesting. Who's this from? It was from Chris de Burr, the pop singer. And it said, Chris de Burr, Cologne. That was it. I was in Cologne. Thank you. Yes. Cologne. Uh, It was Chris de Burr. To all my fans, love. Chris de Burr. A very special relationship. What? That's weird, isn't it? Uh, Very quickly, the Daily Mail... My uh, two-day diet cut my weight by two stone and my risk of breast cancer by 40%. Hey, that's not going to get people jumping on the bandwagon, is it? Goodness sakes. Uh, and The Sun, England's £40,000 for Gaza. 08459 four double five Let's get the travel news now. Ms Tyler.
7: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Heading London bound on the M1, still looking at delays between 11 at Dunstable and 9 at Redbourne and anti-clockwise on the M25. Still looking slow between junction 21 at the M1 all the way through to 15 at the M4. Going to be taking you about an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. And also heading north on the A6141, that's the high street, heading through Bulldock. It looks like we have reports of hazardous driving conditions out there following an oil spillage just heading north at Bell Rose, just outside the Zeus Hotel and Restaurant, so do be aware heading up in that direction. Everything else not actually looking too bad at the moment. Usual delays heading south on the A10 around Turnford. Also fairly slow as well on the Barnet Bypass. Heading south around Stirling Corner, but nothing too out the ordinary there. Trains also still looking good this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you, Sophie. Earlier on, we sent Sophie Solaria out. I've not heard back from her for ages. Is she alive? Is she well? We'll find out later on if she's discovered any stories. (laughs) But now at 8.16 on Tuesday, the 12th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A St Albans campaigner has won his fight to give police new powers to tackle drivers found to have dangerously bad eyesight. Barclays Bank has announced it's cutting 3,700 jobs, just over half will go from its UK-based investment banking division. In sport, New Zealand have set England a target of, a target of 193 to win the second 2020 match in Hamilton this morning. The weather today for beds, hearts, and bucks, cloudy and dry. Uh, it's cold. A uh, Top temperature, four degrees. Coming up, parents in Luton, you need to take more responsibility for your children's education if GCSE results are ever going to improve. That's according to one local councillor. Should parents take more of an active interest in their children's education? 08459 455 555.
5: BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: On Valentine's Day, BBC Three Counties Radio is broadcasting live for
9: 24 hours. We'll be broadcasting live from your town, your, your city, city, your village.
11: I'm here in Kings Langley. I'm here in Leighton Buzzard. Live in the centre of Aylesbury.
9: We're putting
4: together a very special 24 hours in the life of Beds, Hearts and Bucks. We'll
24: be all over the three counties covering the stories that matter to you.
20: Welling Garden City has
27: a new look library. 66
28: stores will be closing, including those in Luton, Watford and St Albans.
27: Officials in Bedford say they're extremely pleased.
4: 24 Hours in Beds, Hearts
9: and Bucks. Starts Valentine's Day morning at 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: <sighs> I know. Mm. I know. Yeah. Jonathan Vernon Smith has walked in. We're both wearing our jumpers. Yours is not stained. No, that's very true. Mine's not. What, mine's... Did, you, what, did, you, mine's, what did you suggest
9: my stain might be? Well, I don't know. Have you, what have you spilt down yourself? Is that a pina colada or something?
4: It's a little bit was newer. that what you said earlier yes okay That's what i meant oh, was what did it? you hear i thought i heard that uh, no. No, maybe i heard something you wouldn't have heard that no not at all not something vulgar not from your mouth no. vulgar coming out of your mouth this is very clean <laughs> i should hope so too <laughs> it's it really is marvelous to see you is morning. it yes you're a little bit late coming down yes was i'm there, sorry was there a problem well i i suddenly looked at my uh, my
9: watch and i thought oh my god yes not quite my words no and i said i've got to get downstairs so i legged it it. Yes, yes. As only I can. I've got a funny run. You have got a funny run.
4: Mm. You got can, can I be frank? You have a very odd body. <laughs> you do. No, you don't. I don't mean. I don't mean that to sound rude. You have a strange gait. Do, yes,
24: yes. I
9: walk like a duck. You do walk like yes. a duck. Yes, you do. That's it's true. I'm well aware of this. Okay, good. I'm not pointing. Yeah, don't out. worry.
4: It's not. Uh... Well, I'm pleased you pointed it out to everyone else listening.
24: Well, this no, one. I don't.
4: I, I don't want to to focus on body issues too much because I know it can be damaging. But I just, you know. Why, you worried I might go and, you know, self-harm because you told me I'd walk like a duck? I would, I would hate to get one of your stinging emails off air <laughs> later on. Which I, I have been the recipient. Ian Lee said, I walk like a duck how dare he? Yeah, wait till I tell them what you said was on my jumper. Now, what's coming up on your show this
9: morning? <laughs> coming up on the big phone in. We're uh, we're moving this discussion you've been having on a level at nine. We're moving it <laughs> to, a high, <laughs> to a higher level, I like to think.
4: <laughs> we're moving your discussion on a level. Oh, good. From, from
9: 9 see what you do with it. I'm asking should 70-year-olds have to take another driving test, uh, as you've been discussing this morning, a man from Hertfordshire who's successfully campaigned to make it easier for police to get drivers with poor eyesight off the road, says he now wants to see drivers over 70 retested. Sam McCord's 16-year-old sister... Cassie, she was killed two years ago when an 87-year-old driver mounted the pavement and struck her. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear from you. Should 70-year-olds have to take another driving test? Do you know any drivers of 70? Uh,
4: no. I've made my views on this very, very clear in the past, but I got, such a, I got such a terrible kicking on Facebook yesterday, I'm keeping them to myself. Many years ago,
9: on another radio station, I, I said... And I, I was mistaken to say, I was young and naive. Yes. I said that if I had my way, I'd take all elderly drivers off the road. When I came off air, yeah. there was a lady standing in reception what? with a handbag in her hand, and she was clasping oh, the, the, the hand of this handbag. And she said to the receptionist, is this him? <gasps> and the receptionist said, yes, that's him. With that, she, came up, she struck me with her handbag. She handbagged you? She handbagged me in reception Ouch. and said she was going to listen to Jeremy Vine. Oh, is Jeremy Vine on the radio? What time? Yeah, yeah, he's quite good. Oh, I'll have to check him out. I'll Google him. <laughs> <laughs> you got handbagged by a lady? She, she whacked me with her handbag. Mm. It's the one and only time I've ever been handbagged. It's better than... Anyway, lovely to... Oh, you've, have you not finished? No, no, i finished. It's well, good. Off, on your way, then.
4: Thanks. It's been a pleasure. It's was awkward this morning, wasn't it?
9: <laughs>
5: Bye-bye!
4: Sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's uh, very painful. <laughs>
5: Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties
2: Radio.
4: Always worth a listen, and I think today's going to be a feisty one. Jonathan Vernon-Smith at nine oh eight four five nine 455 is the phone number. Or you can send him an email now, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Now, parents in Luton need to take more of an active interest in their children's education to improve GCSE results in the area. That's according to the Labour councillor for Limbury in Luton. I do like saying that. Jackie Burnett, who is also a governor at two Luton primary schools,
14: told us earlier that parents should get more involved as teachers can only do so much. I hear reports of we're running homework clubs mm. and parents don't make sure that the children attend mm. or homework is not completed. Now, if the teachers are set in homework, it's really important for the parents to make sure that the child does the homework. Mm. If they're struggling, raise it with the teachers and say, oh, my son or my daughter is struggling with this. Mm. But to me, you know, the parent needs to have know what is going on. You know, attend parents' evening, ask questions. Parents are busy, so if they can't attend parents' evening because they're doing a shift work yep. job, try and go afterwards because things are going on during the, the school year and finding that there's a problem, your child ain't on target when the academic year's about to finish or they're about to take exams, yes. it's a bit late. But, but... There
4: are some. There are single parents. There are parents that are working two, three jobs. There are parents that haven't got the time to do this thing, to check on the, the, their children's homework, or to go to parents' evening, or to make them a packed lunch, or do these things.
14: I'm a person who has been a single parent. Yeah, I've I've done it for nearly 10 years yeah so and i've taken the i've taken the time and i've, I've done two jobs as well mm. yeah it's just about planning what i used to do because parents evening used to be suddenly upon me a week before i would phone up the school six weeks before and find out have you set the date for parents evening yeah you know, because I know sometimes things just happen, and as a parent, when you're single or two job, you can't just suddenly change things. If I couldn't make the a meeting, I would phone the school and say, "Can I arrange a meeting with you at a more convenient time?" And I would suggest the times that mm. I, I can make it.
4: Well, Glennis Cosma is from Hertfordshire. She's author of the books Secondary School and Leaving Home, and she's a former teacher. Morning, Glennis. Good morning, Ian. What's your view on this? How, how much should parents get involved with their kids' education?
10: I agree 100% with Jackie. I think education really is a partnership. It's a partnership between the school and the parents. And as a parent, you really can't be too involved, I think, in your child's education. It's, It's well documented that motivation amongst children is really dependent to a great deal on the expectations that their parents have of them. So if you're not really interested in your child's education, I do believe this can have a serious detrimental effect.
4: Do you not think, though, that parents can be too pushy by signing you up for the homework club and the ballet and the karate and you're going to go off and have lessons on Saturday to learn Chinese and all of these different things? Is there not a danger that children won't get to enjoy their childhoods? Well, I
10: think you're talking about two different things there, Ian,
4: because really you're you're
10: confusing the issue. You're talking about academic subjects yes. but you're also talking about extracurricular activities right and well, it's
4: their education
10: oh yes they're educational yeah. but i think you know parents need to prioritize and, and if your child you know hasn't mastered the basics of english and maths then no you shouldn't be dragging them off to chinese lessons necessarily on a saturday morning so it is a case of priorities and i do agree i mean i do think many children are overstretched with out of school activities but that doesn't mean that parents you know shouldn't be involved in what's going on in school
4: How do you get a stroppy 14-year-old to do their homework?
10: I agree, it's very difficult, but I think, you know, one of the things that parents really need to focus on and to talk to their children about are the rewards further down the line if they do focus on their homework. Um, Obviously, when you're 14, you know, you're not perhaps thinking about what you're going to do when you're 21. But, as we all know, I mean, in the current economic climate, it's very difficult for graduates even to get jobs. So if you're a 14-year-old and leaving school with very weak qualifications, your future prospects are very limited. And, you know, these are the things that parents really need to be driving home to their children.
4: But I I remember being 14 and and, and my friends being 14, and some of them appreciated that. Some of them had the the foresight to be able to, to, to see how important these things were in the future. But a lot didn't. At 14, you're indestructible, and you've got no responsibility, no real responsibilities. Uh, life's going to carry on like that forever.
10: I do agree that, you you know, you can lead a horse to water, etc., etc., but at the same time, I think, you know, parents can often find ways to, to help motivate their child, but ultimately, it is down to the teenager, and mm. I recently wrote a feature for a parenting magazine which was called... Sometimes you have to let your child fail, mm. which means, unfortunately, you know, if your child is completely turned off education, then you do perhaps, it's, you know, at some stage have to stand back and re- they will have to find out for themselves, you know, when they reach 16, 17, 18, that they need to do an awful lot of catching up.
4: That's interesting. Yes, that's a very interesting. Uh, Glynis, listen, thank you very much for that. Glynis Cosmer, uh, Hertfordshire, for, uh, she's the author of the book Secondary School and Leaving Home. Uh, I, I do think that as a parent, that your responsibility continues. It's easy for me to say because I do a stupid job that means I'm home by about one o'clock in the afternoon. So I can sit with my boys and read to them and, uh, you know, do, do some writing with them and do some painting with them. Oh, my eldest yesterday. So we're in the new house and he discovered the box that the paints were in. the, the, the His paints, not the house paints. And so he took his top off and was painting the box, which is fine, fair enough. And then the, the baby woke up, I went to get the baby I came back, literally 20 seconds later He painted his whole body bright red It looked like there'd been a massacre Honestly, it looked like he picked up a knife The only reason I knew he hadn't Is he, he was laughing His whole body was bright red And I said, right, do not Touch anything We are going to the bathroom Do not touch anything Ugh. The banisters, the wall The stair gates, the doors They're all covered in red paint they're all covered in red paint. And in 12 years' time, I'm supposed to get him to do his homework when I can't even stop him painting his belly red? <sighs> Rant over. I'm glad I got that off my chest. And his belly, eventually. Travel News, Sophie Tyler.
7: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Heading north on the high street, that's the A6141 through Bulldog. We are getting reports that it is still fairly hazardous conditions out there following an earlier oil spillage. It's just around Bell Road, just outside Zeus Hotel and Restaurant. Moving on to the motorways, London bound on the M1, looking slow still between 11 at Dunstable and 9 at Redbourne. And southbound again on the M1, also slow around 14 at Milton Keynes and anti-clockwise on the M25, between 21 at the M1 all the way through to 15 at the M4. It is looking like it's going to take you over an hour to get through that street. I'm afraid everything else not looking too bad usual delays away you'd expect for this time in the morning but nothing that's going to be holding you up for too long trains also looking good on the departure boards at the moment Sophie Tyler BBC Three
4: Counties Radio Thank you Sophie 08459 455555 in a few minutes we're going to find out what story Sophie Solaria has come up with we set her a challenge go to Kempston find us a story well apparently she's got one We'll discuss more after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
5: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: Morning, it's 8.30. The headline to St Albans campaigner has won his fight to give police new powers to tackle drivers found to have dangerously bad eyesight. Barclays Bank has announced it's cutting 3,700 jobs. Just over half of those will go from its UK-based investment banking division. And a Luton politician is hitting out at parents who take no interest in their children's education. Jackie Burnett says GCSE results will only improve if mums and dads get involved. <laughs>
7: Beds, hearts and bucks, Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: England are now batting in the second 2020 international against New Zealand in Hamilton. And a short time ago, they were 47 for five, t- chasing a target of 193. Meanwhile, in football, MK Dons are away to Doncaster tonight in League One. Luke Chadwick will start, having come on as a sub in the defeat at Oldham on Saturday. By the manager's own admission, the Dons were poor at the weekend, but Carl Robinson says his players know what's expected of them.
15: And the players sometimes have got to stand up and be counted. As well as the staff has, but I think you know I always have been quite honest and open with you. We've been very honest and open this morning, had frank discussions, and some of them I spoke to yesterday as well. And I think they understand what it takes, and there's no rocket science to it.
3: Also in League One tonight, Stephen Iger at Brentford without goalkeeper Steve Arnold, who was sent off at the weekend. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers are due a pitch inspection at 9.30 this morning to determine whether their match against Bradford City at Adams Park will go ahead. And Town's Scott Rendell has picked up the FA Player of the Round Award for his fourth cup, F- fourth round FA Cup performance against Norwich. Rendell came off the bench to score the winner against the Premiership Club and could feature in tonight's conference match at Dartford. The Hatters are currently 19- 14 points from the One Autumn promotion spot, and their manager Paul Buckle knows his side had to improve on their away form.
1: What must do now is get on a run away from home, because um, he's still on to play for massively. The league tells a false picture in my opinion, you know, with us having so many games in hand. You'd you'd, you'd really like those games to come, those game, games in hand to come now.
3: And that's your latest news in sport. More from me at nine o'clock.
5: On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30, 8.32 to be precise, and uh, here till nine o'clock. And then Jonathan Vernon Smith will take over, and it's always, always a joy uh, to listen to him. Lots coming up in the last thirty minutes, uh, including reporter Sophie Solaria has been sent on a secret mission. She needs to find a story in Kempston by nine o'clock. I haven't heard from her in a while. I'm worried. She said she was loitering outside the recycling. Then she was going to go to the doctor's or the post office. But I don't think they were open. Well, apparently she's got a story. We'll find out what it is in a moment. Uh, And another thing we're talking about before nyme is about this dog grooming shop in Hertfordshire. It's shaving patterns into dogs. I'll be speaking to a psychologist to find out what effect it will have on the dog. Yeah, let me read that sentence to you one more time. I'll be speaking to a psychologist to find out what effect it will have on the dog. Now, just after six I sent our reporter Sophie Solaria On a secret mission She had to pick a, a, a place name out of a hat Go to that place And find me a story before nine o'clock Or else she's fired I've added the, I've added the point you might be fired, Sophie
11: Thanks for that Just one.
4: To create a bit of tension Yeah Well, the place that you picked was Kempston. I did And the last time we spoke You were loitering by the recycling bins Did, did, did anything happen there, Sophie?
11: I don't know if it was loitering
4: Well, you were loitering, right, yes
11: I was loitering Okay.
4: Yes. So what, did, did you get any stories about recycling?
11: No. Oh. That was a red herring. Okay. Uh, doctors were c- closed, yes, as uh, was the post office. They Spoke would be. to a few people buying some shopping from the local co. It's not a story. No. That was a true. Yeah. So I asked them where to go. What shall I do? They said, you're in the wrong place. You're mm. in the quiet part of Kempton. go. Go up the road. Go to the high street where Sainsbury's is. Have yeah. a little chat around there. Yeah. Well, you know, it took a bit of time to get here, but I finally managed it and I had a little walk around and I ended up in an MOT garage. I know this sounds strange, but found a man that lost a lot of weight. And then I found another man who's won a lot of uh, motocross championship Uh bike riding things. Then I found a man who I got my
4: story from. So you you didn't get the story from the former fat man or the motocross champion?
11: Nearly. You nearly had the story of a former fat man.
4: I hope this is a good one. Let's have a listen.
11: Jeremy, I meet you here. You're a resident of Kempston. Yes. And so you're telling me now about your faith. You encouraged your son to learn Polish to spread the word of your faith can you tell me a bit more about that
29: well yes as, as jehovah's witnesses we have a ministry we call on people in the houses to talk about uh, what the bible teaches and encourage them to look into the bible and with the uh, growing uh, polish community in bedford um, my son asked our minister that looks after the, uh, the door-to-door work which language would be best to learn if he wanted to learn a foreign language and he was told polish so uh Daniel, with uh, the encouragement of myself and my wife, uh, and threw himself into learning Polish, which was a difficult language to learn. Even people that he calls on that are Polish-speaking say, why on earth did you learn Polish? It's so hard. And he did find it very difficult to begin with. Uh, but his, his motivation was to help Polish-speaking people in the Bedford community to be able to listen to our message about to look into the bible to find out what it really teaches
11: it's huge dedication
29: yes it was very difficult especially at first and uh, he just sort of taught himself um with a couple of help, a couple of polish people that he met sort of help him from time to time to understand different words and phrases and how to put the vocabulary together but he just sort of learned from books and and uh, a cd that he got and it was very hard to begin with but uh, he was determined and you know he's, uh, he's had good success at it
11: how's how's he doing yeah is he fluent yet i mean how long's he been learning
29: it's about five years now and yeah, he's pretty fluent he can help hold conversations with people and Polish people that he's have called on sometimes think that he's Polish because of his ability to speak the language
11: Won't he find it quite hard? I, I understand there's a lot of Polish people in Kempston and Bedford and indeed Luton but many of them are Catholic
29: Yes, so To a degree, the response perhaps isn't always uh, uh, what you want it to be because you can't always get people to talk because they just say, well, I'm Catholic and and that's the the end of the conversation. Um, But he has had lots of uh, interesting calls on people that have wanted to know more and uh, he's he's helped a a few people to, to learn more from the Bible. So it's certainly been worthwhile.
11: So essentially, learning Polish has been a bit of a success for you and for
29: Daniel. Oh, definitely, yes. Very much so
11: what are you hoping to achieve overall in Kempston with this skill
29: well the more people that uh, can be of the Polish community Polish speaking community that will be called on to be encouraged uh, to look into the bible to find out what it really teaches and the more they conform their lives to what it says that the better our community will be
11: you must in- encounter some negative response from your work
29: yes of course no, not everyone's pleased to see us when we call at their door um And we respectfully, you know, we'll leave them if they don't want to to talk. But we find many people willing to to have a conversation with us, to to share their viewpoint and to listen to what we have to say.
11: Finally, Jeremy, you must be very proud of your son for learning Polish and being so dedicated.
29: Yes, of course. Yes. And he's done very well. And uh, we're very, very pleased. Yes. Hey, he's done very well. You've done very well, Sophie. That was brilliant.
11: So the story is a Jehovah's Witness sent his son to learn Polish so he can spread the word of his faith through Kempston
4: you're fantastic how did you did you just go up to this fella and, and his story tumbled out of his mouth
11: I, I kind of asked a few more leading questions like no. who are you what do you do what do you stand for yeah. you know tell me something good I've got half an hour
4: wow have you did you record the interview with that guy that used to be fat
11: I am going back to record it because I know now you
4: want it I wouldn't mind listening to it on my iPod on the way home thank you very much <laughs> so, Sophie excellent work your job is safe come back please we'll see you later See ya. There we go, Sophie Soleri, who, who rose to that challenge magnificently, I think. Well done, her. We sent her out with nothing apart from her talent to get a story. No, and she did, and she got a cracking one. Superb stuff. Thank you.
5: Across beds, hearts, and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Talking about this all morning, a dog grooming shop in Hertfordshire claims to be the first in the country to offer what they call pooch tattoos. Jessica Allegri and Amanda Marshall from Groomers on the Green in Brookmans Park uh, came up with the idea when they were bored one day. But they're not sort of proper ink tattoos. They're more patterns that are shaved into the dog's fur. Louise Lucy has had her shih tzu uh, cross a Pomeranian called Ted shaved. She opted for a uh, simple uh, paw print. Louise... Hello. Yeah, you, you got you got your dog shaved, did you? I did get my dog shaved. Uh, and and why why did you decide to do that? Because
13: it's it's something more exciting than um, getting like when you can dye the dog stuff like that. It's it will grow through. It will it won't harm them in the long run or anything like that or the short run either.
4: <laughs> How about the medium run? No, not either. not that either. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> but, but why? But, but, but aren't dogs? Aren't they beautiful enough? Why do we need to tamper with them and 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 use them like this? Why? So why do
13: they? But that's the exact same as a dog just getting
4: shaved all over. Well, it's not, is it? Because some dogs, <laughs> d- d- some dogs are, are, are shaved because their hair grows too long, and it's to keep it out of their eyes and stop it getting dirty.
13: Yeah, but it's also dogs also get shaved to shave their body because that's the shape that the owner wants
4: them. Okay, but getting like the, the when you had a paw print, did you shave onto onto Ted? I did, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Do, do you think Ted likes it? I've, obviously, he
13: can't see it, but where I mean, everyone's coming up to him and giving him attention at the park and that, yeah. he he really would. He had a like a hop in his step as he was walking
4: about. Yeah. Did you not try to show it? You know, like when you go to the barbers and they hold a mirror up behind your head. Did you not try and do that?
13: No. He w- he's he doesn't understand his reflection. Just yet. does he not? <laughs> no. Uh,
4: d- and you'll be ki- you'll be keeping this um, pooch patch, Will. Are you going to go back for more?
13: I will. I'll be getting it done um, next week, actually, because it is all grown out and it looks. And there was never anything
4: there. Supposing your mum or your dad took you to the barber's and they yeah. um, shaved a heart in the back of your head?
13: Well, a lot of my friends have got that done
4: in the side of their head. Right. So... so <laughs> you, you wouldn't mind? You, you, you'd like it?
13: Well, I, I, it's a bit different because I'm a human and I can yeah. say whether or not
4: exactly. I like that. Exactly, Louise. And he can't say whether or not he likes it.
13: But he... He, he doesn't understand it, so it's not going
4: to affect him. OK, Louise, listen, thank you very much. We can find out whether dogs do understand having the One Direction logo shaved into their back, because we can speak now to Dr June McNicholas, who's a psychologist who has researched the emotional bonds that people have with their pets. Morning, Dr June. Good morning. Why, why would someone do this to their pet? Well, I think
27: it's nothing new to see pets as extensions of their owners, and very often it is an extension of their personality or making a social statement about themselves. I'd actually be quite interested to know, and I know you can't tell me, how many of the owners who have these um, little shaved patterns on their dogs actually have tattoos themselves?
4: Isn't that interesting, yes.
27: Because um, we've seen the increase in, I suppose, personal adornment, whether it's piercing our tattoos on people as a, as a personal statement with their pet, it would almost seem the next logical step for them to say, well, actually, I'm going to have maybe even a matching uh, oh, shave that oh, matches no. one of my tattoos.
4: You've researched the bond uh, that people make with their pets. And listen, I've got a cat, I love my cat, and she gets Christmas presents. It's her birthday coming up next, uh, next month. She's going to be 14 years old, and boy, oh, we, we're going to celebrate that. But, you know, I say celebrate it, I'll get her a little ball with a bell in and some, some posh food. But some people spend fortunes on their pets, don't they?
27: Oh, they do. I have come across a, a lady who spent at least £2,000 on um, outfits oh. for what? her dog.
4: On clothes? On clothes, yeah. And what were they, like um, Like Jimmy Choo's or, or dungarees or dresses? Um, it,
27: it could be anything from a special raincoat oh, to uh, something that made him uh, dress up for Halloween, no. Christmas, whatever. Um, what the dog thought about it, I really don't know. But this was something that the owner... I mean, clearly, this sort of thing is done for the owner and not the dog.
4: I'm going to make a suggestion that I would imagine you probably couldn't uh, possibly comment on. That person's mental. (laughs) Are they? They're mental, buying clothes, like Father Christmas outfits and raincoats and jumpers for their dog. That's bonkers. Well, I mean, on
27: a personal level, I would agree with you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, good. On a commercial level there must be an awful lot of people who yes. have that choice with their pets because you can go into any of the big pet superstores and actually find clothes for your dog mm. admittedly they are for apparently for, for smaller dogs i think i would yet find anything to fit any of my dogs um and i certainly don't think one of my dogs would uh, accept being shaved without some comment on his own behalf but Um, at the end of the day it is clearly something that people do do and again it's nothing new people lavish um, you know diamond collars Mm. and again it's a social statement it's saying here I am um, I love my pet I've got lots of money or it might even be at the level of, you know, a young macho guy with a big, tough dog making a social statement that he wants people to think about him. This is the sort of person I am.
4: That he does have a big willy. <laughs> they, that's what a lot of the dogs are, isn't it? They're, they're replacements, aren't they, for, for, for that?
27: Um... Well, I'm not, I can't possibly comment no. on that, not having done any <laughs> that's personal your, research That's in that your area, next
4: you research. Dr. <laughs> June, that's, it, that's your next project, is to go and investigate that for us, and we'll speak in six months. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. June McNicholas. I've given her a project there. I may have said well, I'm probably not allowed to send the radio. I apologise if anyone's offended, I'm sure you'll be fine with that. Uh, a psychologist. It's interesting, isn't it? I, I, I just feel sorry for animals when I see them dressed up. I just think it, 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 it's disrespectful, isn't it? 084594 nine four double five five 845 on the button Here's the travel news now with Sophie Tyler
7: Beds, hearts and bucks travel BBC Three Counties Radio
8: Heading north on the A6141, that's the High Street heading through Bulldog. We are still getting reports that there's hazardous driving conditions due to an oil spillage a little bit earlier around Bell Row. The Barnet Bypass heading south, also still queuing between Sterling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And the A10 heading south, also slow between Turnford and uh, Winston Churchill Way. And moving on to the motorway, southbound on the M1. More delays between uh, Junction 14 at Milton Keynes, also looking uh, fairly slow at the moment anti-clockwise on the M25 all the way through from Junction 21 at the M1 through uh, 15 at the M4. Going to take you an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. Everything else, though, not looking too bad. Usual delays for this time in the morning, but again, nothing that's going to be holding you up for too long. Trains and tubes are still looking good. Sophie Tyler, BBC, Three Counties Radio. Thank
4: you, Sophie. Right, 8.46... Tuesday the 12th of February, these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A St Albans campaigner has won his fight to give police new powers to tackle drivers found to have dangerously bad eyesight. Barclays Bank has announced it's cutting 3,700 jobs. Just over half will go from its UK-based investment banking division. In sport, Wickham Wanderers will have a pitch inspection at 9.30 this morning to determine whether tonight's match against Bradford City goes ahead. Coming up, almost every day for the past week or so, there's been a new beef product that's turned out to contain horse meat. We'll find out the latest products to be affected before 9 o'clock. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella.
18: Well, it looks all across the region like temperatures are around zero or minus one. So a bit of frost out there this morning. There's also a bit of brightness, some thinner cloud out there, which means some hazy sunshine this morning. But it is predominantly cloudy as we head through the day. Now, snow and sleet wise, we can't rule it out. There could be the odd flurry out there, but not so much as yesterday. And the wind is a little bit lighter as well. It does still blow from the northeast, so it will still feel feel very cold. Now, temperatures aren't actually going to get too much warmer than they are right now. We're looking at a maximum later of 2 Celsius, 36 degrees in Fahrenheit. Overnight, the cloud will start to break up. That's going to allow the temperatures to drop down below zero, minus two the minimum expected, so a hard frost and some icy surfaces tomorrow. Now, because the cloud will start to move uh, towards dawn tomorrow, it means we could even see some sunshine first thing, so not too bad to scrape your windscreens off. However, that sound won't last forever. We've got some cloud rolling in, and with it, some sleet and snow towards the latter part of tomorrow afternoon. Maximum temperature tomorrow is cold three celsius 37 degrees in fahrenheit now that sleet and snow i was mentioning as we head overnight the uh, air is coming from the southwest so it's a little bit milder so that sleet and snow will turn progressively to rain that will continue all night it will become windy and it will stay right the way through thursday as well but that's your forecast
5: thank you very much kate Weekdays from 3, local news.
4: Campaigners are holding a protest against a wind turbine that could be built near the Buckinghamshire village of Ford.
5: Discussion. And we were told when he was five days old
20: that the only way for him to have a life outside of a wheelchair would be to have a through-knee amputation
5: at the age of one. Debate.
24: Coming up after 6, we've got an hour discussing business and finance. Later in the show, it's all about the entertainment world, it's the family and lifestyle debate.
4: It's our politics panel discussing how politics affects us.
5: Roberto Perez. Ronnie. weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Morning, this is Ian Lee, uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm here every weekday morning, six till nine o'clock. Uh, know we're getting more and more new people listening to us, so uh, welcome. After me at nine, uh, it's Jonathan Vernon-Smith, who's a cracking listen. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Now, almost every day for the past week or so, there's been a new beef product that's turned out to contain horse meat in the past 24 hours. It's emerged that some of Tesco's everyday value spaghetti bolognese contained more than 60% horse meat. And although various investigations are still ongoing to work out what's been going on, it's likely that the UK isn't the only country selling the contaminated products. We can speak now to our reporter Gavin Lee, who is across developments for us. Morning Gavin, there's, Morning, there's yeah. a meeting the European Union have called a meeting what's going to happen at this? Yeah,
28: the horse- Horse meat summit. Um, wow! Yeah, bizarre, isn't it? A biggest belief, really. But this is how far it's going. Well, basically, there's going to, they've agreed to it today. It's going to be later in the week, and it's because the French factory Comigel. I mean, partly down to this. Um, they've been supplying ready meals not just for Findus, as we know, the sort of up to 100% in their lasagnas of, of horse meat, but they've been supplying ready meals for 16 countries, uh, including companies like Tesco and Aldi as well. So there's a, you know, a bigger potential fallout of this if there are others. Um, Um, that ultimately have been contaminated too. I think the likely outcome is going to be obligatory labels, uh, labelling of origins for processed meats. So if you go into a supermarket at the moment, if you go to see chicken or pork or get turkey, whatever, if it's unprocessed, you can see where it's from, Holland or Germany or UK. If it's a ready meal, you don't. So that could change. The other thing, there's a separate meeting today, Owen Paterson, the Environment Secretary, meeting with food industry executives. The likely outcome of that is going to be, we believe, um, a three-month spot check. So basically, the random checking of particular foods uh, to make sure that you know, the supermarkets are selling what
4: it says they should be. Another beef product has tested positive for horse meat in the past 24 hours. What's the advice on, on, on eating this food? Should people carry on eating processed beef products?
28: Uh, well the government's advice is that people can continue to buy it it's not a health risk um, so far and I say that because there are more results expected on Friday of um, other um, foods but it's a food labelling issue so it's, that's up, up to people if they want to there's no reason why not. However you do wonder you know how many people listening this morning might go out later on and buy something or be put off by it um, and you mentioned the the latest this is the everyday value spaghetti bolognese at Tesco or nag bowl as the papers are calling it this morning 60% of horse meats found in three of their products tested briefly I'll mention Ian that um, it came from the same French factory that produced the Findus beef lasagna and there are another two Aldi products made in the same factory that have been tested results expected tomorrow how likely is it that even more shops and suppliers are going to get caught up in this Well, I mean, we are expecting, um, we are being told to expect more bad news. Um, We Mm. don't know. But I I guess there there are, you know, there is so much work around at the moment for lab testers because, you know, dozens and dozens of not just companies, but journalists are doing the same thing right now and testing as much as they can.
4: Gavin, listen, thank you very much. Always a pleasure uh, to talk to you. I I tell you what they need to do. You remember years ago, it was about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, the the, the BSE scandal, and John Gummer, who was a politician, got his daughter to eat a burger. There's a picture of of, of him kind of forcing a burger on his young daughter, although she's six years old, basically saying, yay, whoa, it's all right, 1990 it was, wasn't it? It's all right, look, I would even let my six-year-old daughter eat one of these burgers. Well, she's probably old enough now, she should force him to eat a Finder's crispy pancake. She should get him to, do, to eat something, uh, some kind of parental revenge. Saying, yeah, you made me eat that burger on telly. Now you're going to have a Tesco's value sausage. Try that for size, Dad. See how you get on with that. Um, we've been asking all morning. Uh, about the Pope. The Pope resigning. It's on the front pages of all the newspapers. The first Pope to resign in 600 years. And I remember hearing it yesterday, I was driving home and I heard it on the radio. Oh, the Pope's resigned. Jonathan announced it just after um, 11, I think. He said, oh, the Pope's, the Pope's resigned. I remember thinking, oh, oh, that's exciting. It's a big story. And I thought, well, actually, is it really that big? It just sounds like a big story. We've been asking all morning, is anybody uh, bothered by the uh, Pope resigning. And it, it's been a resounding silence on the telephones. There, there, no impact. We've had a text. Alan in Luton. I'm not at all religious, so the Pope's resignation means nothing to me at all. I would imagine we have some Catholics listening to this show. You've got five minutes. 08459 455555 um, to let me know. Are, are you bothered by the Pope resigning? Now, earlier on, Oh, is Alex back? That's exciting. Earlier on, we have been talking about the, the, this whole papal uh, uh, thing, and I uh, put out that i had heard that uh, years ago there was a Pope Joan. She was a lady pope. She tricked everyone into thinking that she was a bloke. Uh, and then when she died, they went, oh, she's, got, she's, a, she's a lady. And so to make sure they would never get caught out again, they had a, uh, um, a pope chair, a papal chair, where they um, kind of, the the Pope would sit on it um, and wear no pants and someone would reach around and find out if it was a gentleman or not. Well, Alex Strangeway's booth is is not only um, our religious affairs correspondent, she's also a darn good sport. And Alex, you've, you've come back on and I appreciate this. Thank you so much. I know you have far more important things to talk about this morning. Have you done some research? Does this papal chair actually exist?
0: I have done a minimal amount of research, but even a minimal amount of research (laughs) reveals the fact that it's a complete myth. Oh, it's not true? Well, the, you know, historians—it's oh. you know, it was it was a story that was spread around in kind of the 1250s, and I think at that time there were a lot of anti-popes and people setting themselves up as popes. And huh? in fact, I think you'll find that the last pope who resigned to tie in with the news story oh, today good, yes. had to, <laughs> had to resign <laughs> because there was a big split in the Catholic Church and there were sort of three popes all at once. Wow. And I think it sort of ties in with that. And, it, and you know, the myth spread that one of them was a woman. Um, who maybe came from Britain? Uh, she maybe came from Germany, uh, so she was a darned foreigner. And uh, she uh, she uh, managed to rise right up into the highest office and became pope. And was only discovered when she gave birth oh. while riding a horse through what? the streets of Rome.
4: But that didn't actually happen. That's myth.
0: Uh, most what? historians say that is actually oh. a, a myth. That's um, And th- as for the papal chair, there is absolutely no evidence for its existence and they think it may be um centers around some ancient roman chairs oh. thrones which had holes in them oh. that appeared somewhere why would they have holes something. in them well th- not so that they could check whether the pope no, was a woman or no, not no
4: <laughs> well uh, alex when you say you did minimal <laughs> oh, research i oh, sorry ian no have i spoiled your morning no because i'm going to insist on believing this i've got <laughs> when you say you researched it did you just go to wikipedia
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Alex, you're my new well, favorite person. No, 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 no. in all fairness, in yes. all fairness. I went to Wikipedia because honestly, there isn't really anywhere else where anything is <laughs> written wow. about oh, it. Dear. And that I think tells its own tale. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, Alex, you're you're a really good spot. I really appreciate you doing that for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> no worries <laughs> oh, Alex Strangeways Booth there who is uh, the religious affairs correspondent darn good sport and my new favourite correspondent can we get can we find a religious story every week just to get Alex on to make up for that I'm, I'm going to insist on believing that though I'm not letting that one go there is a papal chair and they have the next pope will have to sit on it someone will will uh, ch- I keep doing the hand movement I don't quite know why that's uh, no good uh, at all well there we go I think we've we've laid that one to rest that's the, that that turns out uh, that that's actually a myth it's sad when you find these things out most of the good things in the world it would appear are myths i believed that for years someone told me that at school about that and i've believed that for years and now i'm kind of a little bit um yeah, I'm a little bit deflated. I might have to get a really strong coffee after the show to give me some sort of boost to make up for it. Uh, well, listen, there we go. That's, that's the end of all that nonsense. We can put that to one side. And um, I have to say a very big thank you this morning to Sophie Solaria, who was set a challenge. The reason we set the challenge is we had a brilliant story where she was going to go and put her ear down in the snow and listen, listen to a witch tossing a pancake or something like that. And that fell through. And we were a little bit, oh, uh, wh- ha- ha- how do we get out of this one? What can we do? And uh, the, the, the brilliant idea was put forward that we would send her out to, to find a story. And I think it worked. She found a, a Jehovah's Witness who got his son to learn Polish. They're not Polish. Oh, that would be too easy. Who got his son to learn Polish so that they could spread the word to the Polish community, most of whom happen to speak English excellently. I, I hasten to add. I don't want to don't wanna rain on that poor lad's Polish parade, but uh, he probably could have got the message across just as effectively do you really need to learn Polish to have a door slammed in your face? I don't, I don't know how effective that is, but what a brilliant story. So I, I'm giving a double thumbs up. The Thumbs Up Fun Award goes to Sophie Solaria today for, uh, for making an, an, an extra effort and finding a story where there was none. Right, here's the travel news
7: now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Looking at delays heading north on the M1 between Junction 13 at Milton Keynes South and 14 at Milton Keynes and southbound 25 minute delays as well between 15 at Northampton and 14 at Milton Keynes. Speed there down to around 30 miles an hour. Also looking very slow still anti-clockwise on the M25 where we have delays between Junction 21 at the M1 and 15 at the M4. This can take you about an hour to get through that stretch I'm afraid. The earlier problems we had heading north through Bulldog have since returned to normal looks like it's moving nicely there now at the moment heading south though on the a1 we are looking at delays on the great north road between the st Neist junction and the black cat roundabout barnet bypass also still queuing between sterling corner and Mill Hill circus trains and tubes are looking good this morning however sophie tyler bbc three counties radio
4: excellent stuff sophie i think there's a, a darn good show today i'd give i'd give it seven out of ten means we can do better, but you've not been robbed. You've got your money's worth. Back tomorrow at six. JBS is up next. Till tomorrow. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
5: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.
9: Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday, and on today's Big Phone-In, I'm asking,
12: should 70-year-olds have to take another driving test? A man from Hertfordshire...